G'day, Filth Bringers. I've forgotten what to do because it's been that long since. No, actually, I do know uh, it is ingrained in my heart and mind. But g'day, Filth Bringers. It is AOS Coach, and we are in General's Handbook 2023. And I am joined by one of my very first guests uh, to talk about their faction, uh, top tier, uh, Lord of the Fly himself, Tom Oliver. And I'm going to do a little intro for Tom because Tom has been on my radar for a long time now. And he has been living rent-free in people's head for a long time. And uh, you can feel anyone who's played against Tom has been scarred, not because he's a bad player. He's an amazing player, but uh, he knows his faction incredibly well. And most recently, a couple of weeks ago, Tom went 5-0 and with Nurgle. So I'm super curious to get under the surface to understand how Tom is thinking about Nurgle in the current General's Handbook. A couple of people in Discord have asked some questions, so we'll bring them in as well well and i do want to mention as well that um while tom is new to age of sigma has been playing for about 12 months now um has come from a competitive war machine uh, background who uh anyone who knows tom guan from the usa uh knows the pedigree that tom is coming from although i am to tom this tom i'm a little dis disappointed in you before we get this into into the the discussion i'm not mad i'm disappointed that you were the master of the troll bloods yet you've come to play, um, not playing Gloom Spike Kids. So I just want you to know that I'm disappointed you're not playing Trolls in Age of Sigma. But g'day, welcome. Uh, introduce yourself other than my dodgy start. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom. Um, I mean, like like Coach just said, I've been playing uh, uh, AOS for about tw 12 months now. Um, after, uh, you know, I've been playing man, like, you know, man dollies for 20, 22 years now. Um, but I uh, took a bit of a break from GDOP for about... 10, 12 years um, to go and play Warmer Hordes um, and uh, love that. And like Coach said, yes, I was a, a troll player and no, I'm not a troll AOS player. Um, and <laughs> um, But, um, you know, as things changed in, in all things in life and as that game um, changed, um, I just looked for a new, new opportunity. And uh, it was actually something I was teetering on was whether or not I would play AOS and rocked up to... Sydney GT last year, like uh, it was what, like June-ish, May-ish? Yeah, April, April, and April. April after, like, yeah. after like five COVID stop restarts, it was, yeah, we ended yeah. in April. Yeah, and I and I hadn't touched the game at all at that point. Like I, I didn't have an army. I, I'd bought what Gut Rot Spume because I thought the model was really cool to paint up as a little experiment. And um, I just rocked up and saw the sort of the, the what the competitive scene looked like and not like in terms of, you know, quality of player or anything like that, but just in terms of what the community was like. And I was like, you know, this is really cool. And Sydney's clearly got a very friendly, like, you know, people that I now talk to all the time, like, would let me stay, stay at the table for, like, you know, half an hour and answer questions while I was playing. And I was, and I was like, this is awesome. Um, and uh, just how, like, you know, I was like, how immersive this game is and how beautiful this game is. And, um, yeah, it was, it was sort of hook, line and sinker from there and, and sort of decided Nurgle, um, after talk, actually talking to Tom, um, because coming to Age of Sigma from another game, I was, you know, I had a little, a few little hangups about, you know, certain mechanics. And one of them was coming from a game that was like very certain as far as, um, the way in which movement and, and decision-making was determined. Like, you know, you knew how far things were moving. Um, and the idea of random charges was like freaking me out. I was like, this game looks really fun, but like, I'm just going to like roll that ones all the time. I'm going to hate life. Um, so I was talking to Tommy, uh, and, uh, I was, um, my question was just like, I want a faction that just like doesn't care about charging like at all 
Um, and he was like, so what you should do is play this model called the Glockian because it's, it kind of doesn't care about charging. What it actually does is it just charges every turn of the game, whether it's yours or not. Um, and I was like, that sounds really, really fun because, uh, and, and it's a very similar mechanic to um, a rule called countercharge in, in War Machine. So, like, I was like, that sounds really fun. You know, this is a really cool little controly piece. And um, I jammed a couple of games, like, you know, um, and a buddy let me borrow an army. And, um, and I was like, cool, and sinker. Like, I, I was, I was so into, um, into how sort of light the game is, how fun it is. Um, you know, it, it has the big moments that, that, you know, are really, really fun. Um, and yeah, and just been jamming the Nurgle. I've, I've, you know, I've cheated on it a couple of times, um, more, more because I need hobby breaks. And as you can see, I'm painting some Seraphon in the background there, but, but mainly because of hobby breaks and I've painted almost the whole faction in 12 months. Um, so, you know, um, but no matter what happens, I keep coming back to, to grandfather Nurgle. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I must say, on behalf of the entire Sydney community, it's a crying shame that someone can do both five and O's and win Best Painted. So um, we'll get Tom's uh, Twitter or X now. Uh, I don't know if you've got an Instagram as well. I'll make sure to put it in the episode description. But uh, your models are incredible. They certainly win awards as well. So it's not just my opinion. Uh, it's very, very you're, – you're an incredible painter as well, which makes losing to you all the much nicer when you get tabled by a great player with a great-looking army and who's just incredibly skilled. And it's fascinating that you mention um, some of the precision me mechanics because it was something that stood out for me when I talked to Tom Guan uh, when he very first came over to Age of Sigma and I think he made a scene at maybe the LVO or one particular tournament and done incredibly well I'd said to him you know what's it like you know pros and cons what did you learn and what are the things that you know you took from War Machine and I know one of the things that he talked a lot about was the precision mechanics and being able to um, a lot of prediction a lot of like the mathematical anticipation so uh, if people want to check that out, check it out. It's a really good discussion. And Tom is still terrorizing. I'm pretty sure I saw on Facebook this morning, he's 3-0 and o currently at a tournament with zombies. So um, great insight um, if you want to you get into the weeds of that. But we're here to talk Nurgle. And one question that came from Discord is, first off, we've got to set the scene. Who's your favorite Nurgling? Oh, and I hope you can see this. I hope you can see oh, the screen this, at this point. I was I was not ready for this, Coach. Um, and this is sort of like choosing your children. Who's my favorite? Um, look, it has I to be think sassy, right? It has to it be has, sassy. sassy. It it has to be sassy. And I think uh, Champion and Nurgtarian are like close. Like you know, they're they're lieutenant so sort of cuteness department. But sassy Nurgling not only might be the, the best Nurgling, but it might be the best miniature of all time. I need people in the, in the comment section now to let me know what they're, uh, although I really like chill Nurgling like that, that, that sings to me on this Sunday night, that chilled Nurgling mm. sitting there. Um, mm. But like, there's so much character in Nurgle. And I think that's kind of like a nice segue because you've shared how you got into Nurgle. But for me, it's this absolutely fun mechanic um, where not just fun mechanic, there's a lot of character. You look at Sloppity Bile Piper, you look at some of the, the stories, whether it is, the um the beasts of nurgle story and how they become beasts of nurgles uh you listen to the uh what are the the, oh, the magath lords the the sister the, mm. the the family the three the three family and how that all kind of come about it's there's some really cool lore in nurgle which is uh you know i really enjoy but um let's talk general's handbook sorry go on Go on. Oh, I was going to say, absolutely. And then that's what drew me to the, the model side of the faction, is, especially from an aesthetic perspective, is, I've, you know, 
I, I'm yet to play a painted duplicate model. Like they're all individual, but the the Vikings, the Light Lords, all that. So those guys, they're all character models, which is so engaging from an aesthetic standpoint and makes them so much fun to paint. Yeah, there's a lot of detail, but it's it's fun detail, and there's a lot of things you can do. And yeah, you can paint them really clean. You can paint them with you know biles and and pus, and you can you know do goop and different things to kind of show that disgusting side. Or you go into what you see on Facebook. There's that one particular photo that does the rounds every six to twelve months, where someone's done a great unclean one in flesh, and that is horrific. That is absolutely terrifying. It's filthy. Awful. Awful. So- I, it's it's up there in disturbing miniatures with uh what what was it Kragnos with gargan feet you know like in terms of things that people should never have done with plastic miniatures those are two things that should have never happened though i did recently see some evocators on dracolines and the person had put squig heads on uh the dracoline heads and it looks incredible so keep keep passion like yeah, yeah. I, I mean everything everything's better with squigs all right we're going down the gits path again see <laughs> the right. troll the troll blood Trolls. live in you. The troll blood lives in you. We'll get, we'll get it oh, out one day. I'm yet to pick a destruction faction, so it could very well happen. Let's talk General's Handbook first. Let's yeah, talk man. season 2023. We're in the world of Antorian locuses, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to get the rules up shortly, and we'll talk a bit more about how it relates to Nurgle. But just overall, how do you feel currently with the General's Handbook uh, 2023, um, Nurgle as a faction, and how it kind of sits in the world? Because everyone's talking Slanesh, they're talking OBR, Soulblight, they're talking Seraphon, they're talking, you know, the top five, and poor old Nurgle's not getting a lot of love, at least from from the airwaves. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, we now have hard data that proves just how not good they are, which is um, a bottom three result on G-dubs. Um, little metric they just put out. Um, no, I think Nurgle's in a really interesting place. Um, there have been a few things that have come out in, like, let's say the last six months that have been really, really impactful for the faction. Um, and they're, and, and as well, I think they're one of the more versatile factions you can play with in the game. I think that they reward um, really thoughtful um, engagement with list writing. Um, and they have really really good capacity to tech for some of the the boogeymen um that are lying around um now it doesn't mean they're going to still vault the whole world that doesn't mean that that you're going to um be able to write a list and you know probably rock up comfortably and just you know positive win rate or or what have you like you know i think that they're um they're they're certainly um uh, with with some deficits at the moment um but there's a huge capacity especially in the hands of someone who wants to stick with them for a long, for, you know, for a while um, to really emphasize play, play, like expression of play. Um, you know, they're, um, and a really good example is like, you know, the differences between the two lists that I brought up that I've, that I've sent you that we'll talk about later on, um, which is that they have, um, uh, because they're not just like a straight damage dealing army and they're not just a straight, you know, armor skew army, they're, like they're a survival army and we'll break down how that works um, at some point, I'm sure. But um, it means that they sort of can flip around what they want to do, whether it be a, a high aggro army, whether it be a, um, a, you know, a bit of a shooting dominant army, whether it be a magic based army. Um, but they're not going to be doing that, any of those things, I think, in the same way that you're going to be seeing those top performers do. And as a result, um, the, the tech that you bring with them, the way that you engage with them can really be um, an interesting way to engage with some of those problems. So they're, they're at the moment, um, you know, 
if we go back 12 months, I th I'd say that, you know, you're running top of the meta with, with Noble. Like there was, a, there was a lot that wasn't answering it very well. Um, but now I think that they're at a point where, um, you know, in the hands of, in the hands of somebody who's willing to put the time and effort in with them, um, they're really good for the, for the problem solving part of the game. And if you're wanting to sort of play like quote unquote off meta and be, you know, a narrative um, chestnut player with you know, flies, for example, um, you know, you might, you might want to engage, engage with the flies, but, but you can really um, think about, you know, I think of those top five factions that are, you know, like your corn, your Salon, your KO, your OBR, and probably your Gits. Um, and, and I think that Noble's a faction that can, um, can have really good game into any of them if thought about correctly. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that as well. Like, I agree with you um, with a lot of things you said. If you think about Nurgle and the tricks that it has up their sleeve, you know, you've got the uh, counter charge in your opponent's um, charge phase. You know, you can stop people doing pile-ins. You've got the chip damage from um, from the diseased weapons. You've got um, some, you know, a lot of healing, a lot of wards. You obviously have the flies and being able to, you know, do some guarantees up front. There's a lot of little tricks where you're right. It's not like... Um, soul black grave lords where you know you've either got a zombie build through veer cross or you're going to have ethereal vampire lord on zombie dragon well until lately uh, until merciless blizzard came along and it kind of feels like they're retreating from that strategy but there's very little nurgle lists that look the same and it's interesting when i look at the data and i look at how people are performing it seems like a lot of people are trying to work through what does a really good third edition this particular general's handbook nurgle list look like because you've got a lot of tools and as i'll talk about in a minute uh when i bring up the the stats as well you've had a bunch of points discounts as well so things that weren't attractive are now kind of like oh, okay maybe it's worth revisiting or something that's got a points increase where it's like uh i relied on that too much maybe i need to pull back so uh, i'll get your take on that very very soon but is it the time for and for given that we're in Antorian locuses and i'll bring up the screen now is it now time for the Filthbringers and the Rockbringer rock Coven? Because when I think about Antorian Locus and Power Dice and Merciless Blizzard, if I'm thinking about these uh, sub-commander wizards with you know less than 10 wounds, I think of Rockbringer Coven. I think of those three wizards that you can bring onto the table, obviously in Nurgle. Like I can bring 65-point wizards in my gits and, and have a field day. But for you... Is this the time that that the Filthbringers are going to rise to power? I think that this is the best time that you've ever had to play Rockbringer, um, and it might be the worst time you've ever had to play Rockbringers. Uh, and um, I, and I think that that particular example, like uh, like I've only just started mess tooling around with it, um, just because it's taken me a while to build up what I what I've actually got. Um, but I have plans to play a lot of Rockbringers in the next, like a lot of Filthbringers in the next little while. Um, I've been, had a few practice games with them. And the list with just the three, like the three Wizards and, and what, what we'll see a little bit later on, um, is just so fun. Like it, it's it's a really cool, and, and again, leans into the teching side of the faction, which is that, um, like, you know, castings that are premium at the moment. And I don't think you could look at um, Filthbringers as a, magic dominant army like you'll be able to squeak out you'll be able to eke out one um probably hopefully reliable cast um per turn which means in a world where you've got these really big spells that exist um you know you can make the most of that um and you can start ramping up the volume of casting really really um well which is that that's the 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 
the sort of the I would actually argue the minor side of the 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 benefit of that sub faction where it's really really powerful is being able to have almost certainty like um, nothing certain in Warhammer but almost certainty that you will be able to have a really high capacity to shut down um, pivotal keys um, pivotal spell casting um, in your opponent's list and again it's where Nurgle sort of leans into that um, counterplay um, f- faction identity is is that um, just being able to and that not being tied to a single model um, makes that that particular little sub faction extremely versatile. And then and then you start talking. Then we start talking about you know a that Noble has one of the best spells in the game um, in Rancid Visitations, and b uh, you know they've now got the best spell in the game in Merciless Blizzard, and c their their endless spells are um, are really really efficient in terms of not just being an endless spell, but also being a disease spreader. Um, so all those things combined, I think that this is probably the most open you've seen Noble thus far. Um, and, and it's because you've, so you've got your traditional builds and you know, your Glock Kings, your, your Flies, your, um, your like in your Black King sort of builds and your Magathord builds, you've got your Rock Bringer, your Filth Bringer list. And then the other side of it, which, which I'm, um, yet to really explore and thankfully I've still got 11 months to do so is that I think demons might have a bit more play now with the Andorian Locust rules as well, because, you know, they, and they don't get talked about it much. Um, and I think there's a reason why, because I just don't think they're um, at the same level as, as where some of the rest of the faction is. Um, and that comes down to movement. But, you know, things like the Beast of Nurgle being dropped and uh, being poisoned, Nurgling's coming down. So that really comfortable, like, 100-point range means you can start to build volume of things that are kind of quick. And then you can start building in cool wizards on top of that. So I think like I think this addition, despite the fact that Nurgle's not like a you know a Seraphon or a Zinch or a Lumineth, um, are gonna be a really cool army to play within the bounds of these rules because they're just really flexible in how they use them. Yeah, and while we're talking stats, I might actually bring up this particular reference point. Now, this is not the only data source out there. Um, so, for example, let's talk about the Games Workshop one. And I talk about this mostly because of the visibility. Like, you've got Wohammer, uh, who do incredible stats, TSN do incredible stats. And they all tell different stories because they look at their data differently. I think um, TSN only looks at two days, uh, two day events. Uh, Wohammer looks at certain things. Games Workshop looks at certain things. But given that Games Workshop has a much greater reach across the entire game, you look at Nurgle sitting at the bottom there with Cities of Sigma and Stormcast. And, you know, Cities is an interesting one because probably not a lot of people are taking it because they know the new rules are coming. Stormcast being an army that is very um, good for new players. Um, so you probably see a lot of win rates kind of dropping there. But also, I, I, Tom, we played a couple of months ago with Stormcast Eternals. And, you know, I, I didn't find that I had the gas when it came to um, playing with some of the top top uh, top tier armies. But mm. Nurgle's an interesting one when I looked at that. And, you know, for comparison, when I looked at Wohammer's data, uh, Wohammer had Nurgle sitting at the middle of the pack. Nurgle was in the middle. Lots of t- three twos or two threes. Um, very few kind of four ones and even less five and O's uh, for Nurgle. But what's your take on the win percentage? You talked a little bit more about, you know, the, the top tier armies and like, wh- what does this mean to you? Cause you've, you've taken them to a five and O and you've, you've obviously stuck with them for, for 12 months. So yeah, like, what, what's your take on that number? Yeah. I think that there's going to be a, a, a range of factors at play here. Um, you know, one of the big ones is that, um, Nurgle 
has, is a weird thing in that it is gonna it's got a very loyal fan base as a, as a faction. Um, you know, we, we you and I play against some people who are like wildly loyal to to, to Nurgle, um, and th- I think that you're seeing those people hanging around. And I think that we're past the point of Nurgle being a hotness faction um, because it's. I mean, if you think about it, it was it only came out in what December, January of last year, but it's already the fourth oldest book in the game. And like, there's only Flesh Eater Courts, Stormcast, and Orcs that are older. Um, uh, And so, if we don't count cities, because I don't, because it's about we've already seen what that book looks like. Um, But um, so, you factor in those things. So, a, I think that you will still see it represented, but I think you're being seeing it represented by people who are really passionate about the faction. Um, And that's not to say that they're not good players or anything like that. But it's going to have a smaller maybe it's potentially a smaller representation. Um, and as a result, it's probably just suffering in those areas. I don't think the last um, GHB was particularly good for Nurgle because it's, um, it's Galician champions, whatever the, the, the yeah, champions. Yeah, 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 it was were, champions, were, yeah. Were pretty painful to try and fit into lists um, and into established builds. And I think that... Um, uh, in terms of building lists for Nurgle, they're like they're very concept driven. In terms of, like you want to th- think about like I'm I'm running an aggro list, and so I'm going to put pieces in that run very aggressively, or I'm building into a um, sort of like that that dirtle midboard control the army, and and um, I'm going to put um, units into that that work into that. So it was really hard. It was kind of awkward to to sort of push those those sort of GHB pieces into the into lists. So we got that at play. And then you take on to into consideration that um, a bunch a bunch of new things have come out, and I think that being a little bit older, maybe having that lower representation, um, it's taking people a little bit to to figure out how to quote unquote tech for for things that have been released. So um, and and stuff that has come out, I think, has been not great for Noble. Um, whether it be like I think the KO book was was a really tough jam. I think um, OBR is a, is a could be a fairly tough jam unless you bring specific pieces. Slanesh is absolutely a a really really um, tricky game to for, for Noble to play. So as you see the rise of those, it's, I think there's it's it's sort of the the meta the macro of the game um, was is sort of working against it. I I think that I mean but at the same time we're looking at the variance in the stats here. Um, even if we take the GW stats at 44% being where it sits, um, it's only you know 4% deviated from that midpoint, which is like your basic chaos angels, and there's a lot sitting at 48%. So I, I don't think sky is falling um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's very interesting to see what GW had to say about where Noble was at in terms of like they're now actively looking to buff them. Um, and I think that you'll also see you've also seen a few um, a few choices made in the last updates that are probably going to have sent people to a bit of soul searching for a minute. So, and a really good example of that, whilst we had, you know, the flies come down, whilst we had Block King come down quite, quite a lot in that, that, um, that hacket, we also saw Rot My Creed go up by 25 plus points. Um, and they were a unit you could just like jam into, like in volume into lists. And now you have to be really purposeful about including them um, because 150 versus 125 are very different point brackets to be playing in and, and that's a huge change um and um and i think that that's that's quite impactful and i think that black king is not coming down as well 
Um, not that I'm saying that they need to, but I think there's a lot of expectation that they would. I think that means that people aren't going to touch them as well. Because I think, you know, especially Glocking coming down, the Glocking biking, um, you know, the footboys and the Glocking combination is so, so cool. Like that's what I started playing the game out with and, and we'll probably try and jam that again at some point really soon as well. Um, you know, it, it, so I, people might have their established lists at this point. I think we, I think looking around at, say, Slaughter, um, you know, our local events, Bathurst, I think we've got people, you know, I've seen people sort of, they're settling into their routine of like, this is what I like to play in Nurgle and I'm going to play that. Um, and that might, you know, that, 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 that might be, um, you know, it's sometimes a limiting factor as far as like success. But, you know, I also don't see anybody having a terrible time using Nurgle. Like, you know, whatever, whatever whichever way you want to cut it, Nurgle players are always having a good time. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a range of factors. But but as opposed to something else like like Stormcast, and I'd say that that's an interesting comparison point where that you brought up where you felt like they were sort of running out of gas. Um, and I think I've heard that, had that conversation with a couple of people at, at, at this point. Um, I don't think I'm having the same conversation with Noble, like especially this GHB. I think they can secu- easily secure five tactics. I think they can sit on, they can stand in circles. Um, their output's never been that good. Um, so you have to build into output if you want output. Otherwise, you're playing the control game or you're playing the, the, the versatile game. Um, but um, but I think that their ability to play the game is still really, really high. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I don't think they're, def- they're definitely not top tier. Like if I'm building a list, I'm not freaking out thinking, how do I handle Nurgle? Definitely, I want to consider a strategy. But certainly, obviously, you saw the win rates there, whether it is, you know, Corn, OBR, yada, yada, yada. You can read the article. Um, you know, there's certain armies that are kind of terrorizing the meta right now. Um, and I think, you know, to your point, I, I do have a weird theory as well, and I don't want to go too into this because we'll probably spend 10 years on it, but you see sometimes at a tournament, especially where people are struggling to get through like round four. And I wonder being that Nurgle is a game that's rewarded from like turn four to turn five. I wonder, I wonder if you can speed up your games, um, and get to the full five do you see the win percentages go up? I, I don't know. Let me know in the comments. I'd be curious to hear from people. Are you finishing your full five uh, turns at a tournament? Because I think you, you do see some armies, some grindy armies. Um, it can be a real struggle to get those five. And like, yeah. Yeah. And that actually, um, that changed. That was the reason for the change of my list between um, Sydney Slaughter, where I played um, the slower list. Like it was like a couple of Magath Lords unit a unit of flies um and 20 rot micrate and and some other things and it was very sort of mid-board like let's just grind it out sort of thing um and i um had a game the start of day two um after having played three games that all went to sort of the very end of the round the day before and my fourth game did exactly that and i was like man i'm i'm actually fatigued like and pushing through the end of that game which where which is where i i dropped a game that that event but um, I was I was very cognizant that like you know pace of noble can be really slow. Like in the same way that I'm seeing soulbite players have the exact same problem, dirtling um, as a, as a as a faction identity. So and not not just like doing nothing, but just sort of sitting there and grinding is a really really taxing way to play the game. And like to to, to Bathurst, I know I I, I want to get to this the rules in a second. Yeah, all good. But I, at Bathurst, G, no, 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 that's on me. But like at Bathurst, there was I played Gits and I played, you know, like I had a bunch of Goblin idiots. Um, I brought them. 
but I, I ran up against two Soulblight factions as well, and they and they have a lot of grind, and they're bringing things back from the gravesite, and that all takes time, you know. And you start adding that up, and you know sometimes you're really pushing to get to the full five. So just to, just for food for thought, and I think just even just you know on yourself, how do you speed up your game? How do you make sure that you get to the five and um, because the, the faction identity does slow you down a little, but what doesn't slow me down is these Antorian locuses because they have some cool rules, high level thoughts. Uh, we talked a little bit about the filth bringers and, uh, getting some good stuff. So I don't think, I think you and I probably both agree that, uh, filth bringers isn't the auto include everyone doesn't need to drop their, uh, their build of drowned men or blessed sons to run filth bringers. But it obviously has some good rules to play with. Regardless against Nurgle, you've got some wizards. Um, where do you land on these Antorian locuses? Are you someone who is looking to add as many as possible? Do you always take at least one of these Antorian locuses to tap into a certain list, uh, a certain spell? Do you think the spells are just okay for Nurgle and doesn't actually add a lot of benefits? Like, Where, where are you at uh, and what advice would you give to me if I was building a Nurgle list? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, uh, I think it's an all-or-nothing conversation as far as the Andorian locusts are concerned, like the little wizards. Um, like, I, I think you can splash a wizard in and not be punished too hard. Cheap factions. So, you know, those those sorcerers are what 140-ish points, 150-ish points, which is significant. Like, that's a that's a for for something that for a faction that doesn't have um, a lot of high need for building pieces around. Uh, like synergy layering, um, especially when we're talking the mortal side of the faction. Um, every like you know what makes them good is that things are independent operators. Um, <clears throat> the the Rotbringer Sorcerer, as as the example here, um, is a really really good piece. But if it's not gelling with the rest of the the list, you sort of you can be a little bit sacrificing efficiency for 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 cool things, um, and. As a result, like I've sort of got to a point where I'm building lists where they have the rock, the, the filth bringers, um, and or, or I'm taking uh, something like a Bellacor or a Blowab instead, um, which is something that gives me synergy uh, or, or gives me independent um, threat pieces as well as being a wizard. Because the really important part of the Andorian rules uh, comes from the primal dice, um, and so. The, which is where I would say, unless you're building specifically for it, what you're build, what you're bringing magic to a noblest for nine times out of ten is um, unbinding um, and using, you know, saving your primal dice up nine times out of ten for unbinds. Um, whereas if I go to the filth bringers list, the you get you start getting into rampant levels of casting, like you know three, four, five spells uh, in a in a turn, and they're all pretty devastating. With um, you know there there are three spells that noble can play that comfortably remove half to all of a unit. Um, so then you get, to, then, we're, then we're starting to enter a conversation of like, it's not a counter spell um, rule. It's a, it's a, it's a casting rule. Um, and so like I, I've landed like, you know, someone like Bellacor, I really love in lists um, because you know, you got dark master and that's, you know, that's a really, really powerful rule. But outside of that, he can run the job of like, he's a bit scary in melee. But he's a two-cast wizard, and that's really, really, really important, is that you brought this cool little, you could brought this cool piece, who can actually spend a lot of the game just playing the denial. Um, Blowout has a similar role. He's only a one-cast, but he has a, a, a casting debuff attached to him. Um, and so 
those two pieces are really, really synergistic in terms of like, I want to build an output army, I want to build an army that has these independent operators. Um, I'm not needing to go and grab a 150 point wizard who might limit me from taking other things in my list. And then I, I or I could play three wizards plus any other wizards I want to bring and really start leaning into these Endorian Locust rules with the extra cast, with the primal dice, with the the blizzard, you know, the wizard blizzard wizards and um, and all that jazz. So it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting place to be in terms of like they have many they have way more than one way to handle this rule and handle it really well. So what I'm hearing, if I just summarize, is mm-hmm. I'm hearing Antorian Locust, which is our small heroes. You can and also don't have to run it. Obviously, that's up mm-hmm. to your selection. Um, and obviously, you've got some great uh, spell options too. So you don't need to go into Blizzard or Hoarfrost or Rupture. If you don't want to take those particular spells, you do have some good spells. And I probably found in my Gits army, I was running out of a lot of offensive spells outside of like Blizzard. There's only a couple. So for me, like building a strategy around offense, especially some of the stuff like, you know, killing one of the battle tactics where you've got to kill a uh, unit with um, offensive spells. This is great for you. For me, it's a bit hard. So what I'm hearing is that Entorian Locust, you don't have to take. Obviously, you can, and there's some cool stuff you can do. We'll talk about this later. But really, what you're thinking about is a primal magic dice. And from what I'm hearing is it's a great unbind ability. And I'm finding that I am also putting a lot of my primal dice into unbinds. And through, and like I mentioned Filthbringers because it plays similarly to a faction that I ran at Bathurst called Bad Snatchers, where if you've got two wizards kind of together, they can re-roll one of their casting dice, which is great because it means I, I get a bit more consistency with my spell casting and I can put my power dice into defense. And the same is true for you. But in this case, you know, they get a plus one, a plus two uh, for casting, unbinding and dispelling, which is great when you're starting to see more uh, endless spells on the table you are seeing more armies build around magic uh so and even if you play against an army that doesn't play a lot of magic you can use your primal dice to to cast as opposed to unbind so um a lot of things to think about especially as you build your nurgle anything else you'd add to that yeah i i think that um the the other there's one other really big consideration for nurgle which is uh, as far as to take filthbringers or not take filthbringers um, is that sub-factions in Nurgle matter a lot because they're how you unlock battle line. And the, the base battle line options in action are not um, usually what you want to be running. It's why a lot of Afflictions is so good because it unlocks flies for you as battle line. But outside of that, you have to go to other sub-factions to create battle line that's not Blight Kings or Plague Bearers. Um, so you need to really want to lean into, into things like Filthbringers, the wizard side of it, to play it because otherwise you're, you're, you know, your list can get quite awkward um, in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that sounds good. And uh, like, I'm only talking Filthbringers, folks, because it's the season of Wizards and the Filthbringers sub-faction is definitely built around that particular piece. Um, you know, getting plus three, you know, like there's some crazy things within Filthbringers, but you're definitely going in for an all or nothing strategy. You probably want to get some endless spells. You're going to be going into a magic heavy army and um, maybe you'll find you won't have the tools to go against like the corns of the world. So just keep that in mind before you go too hard on a filth bringers, but you've definitely still got play around, you know, your drowned men, your blessed sons. Um, you, you probably don't see much of the befouling host or the drown, the drowning guard, but you do, you build, build the list that makes you happy. Um, but I, I'm hearing there's a lot of cool stuff with wizard and 
yeah, I, I, I'm loving, I'm loving this primal magic dice. It's absolutely yeah. insanity. Um, I was, um, I was worried when they said wizard season, and I was like, oh, here we go. Like this is going to be Seraphon and Zinch the whole way through because all it's going to be is kill stuff with spells and kill wizards. Um, and it's that they've actually seemed to have balanced the idea of like let's bring really cool rules in for wizards, but not make the scoring system about wizards. So um, that that was a really cool cool twist. Really quickly, I think some of these things we can just go over quickly because we don't need to read these out. So uh, in the General's Handbook, you do get four different command traits. So if your General is an Antorian Locus, let's say it's your Rotbringer Sorcerer, if you make them the General, you can choose one of these four. Do any of these stand out to you as something that you would build around or do you think inherently in Nurgle you've got better command choices to choose from or you just don't want an Antorian locus as your general in your faction yeah it's um that's a really interesting one um i think that shaman of the chill lands i think a lot of people are playing shaman of the chill lands um because knowing all three of those spells or mainly two of those spells is um huge um so i'd say that that one is quite attractive um especially if you're running um you're, you're not running a gen like a, a hero that would take on probably one of the best command abilities in the game, which is overpowering stench. Um, you know, so I could see a world where you are taking Shaman of the Chill Lands. Um, however, most time, most of the time, you are going to want to take a, a tanky general, like you know, you're taking a, a foot hero or, or a mounted hero, and you're throwing overpowering stench on them, and you're just shutting down commands left and right. And that that one rule is, I think, what keeps Noble so relevant all the time is that the second you see these top factions or just you know, common factions relying on command abilities, you, know, you, you lean towards that. But that doesn't mean you have to take it. And I think that Shard of Jolands is phenomenal. I think that knowing all three of those is really important. Um, and I quite like Eater of Magic as well. And um, this is where, you know, if you're a spiteful person and you um, really, really wanted, well, knew that you were playing against a lot of wizards in your local, um, you take either of magic and you start making people forget, you know, you make Croak forget um, his his nuke spell and make your opponent sad. And that's that's great. Um, so, you know, like there's, there's play here. And, and um, again, it's where I come back to the, 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 the point that I think that Nurgle's very, very good at teching. Um, so, yeah. So those two would be where I'd lean to. I, I'm not that keen on Chill to the Bone um, and I'm not that keen on Eye of the Blizzard. I don't mind Chill to the Bone just because if you're going to be leveraging uh, Merciless Blizzard and you're freaking out about a, a miscast, especially like he's a perfect example, right? I played Corn at Bathurst GT and um, Corn, if you miscast, especially in the range of the Skull Altar, you're going to do even more mortal wounds to yourself. I think it's yeah. D6 plus three. So that, that'll that that'll pop your general uh, immediately. So if you're going to be going offensive and you have the ability on a, on a two out of three chance to, to ignore that first miscast, I, I actually don't hate that. But to your original point, would I rather that or grandfather's blessing to be able to manipulate the wheel a little better or mm. overpowering stench? I think the answer is overpowering stench over any of these. But it's not to say that any of these are wrong, folks. If you really want to build around it, amazing. But I think for me, and I'm not a Nurgle player, so like, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I think I look at your uh, battle tome choices and they're just superior. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And um, and just like last last one on Judge of the Bone, I think it's I think it's good. But if you're taking um, the the Antorian Locus um, General, 
there's, there's a really weird interaction here, which is that um, the like, you're, you're probably playing a built list. And in that, the three wizards um, are, are sharing a buff. So your your three plus can move around that that little trio. And so when you roll that merciless wizard and you, and you miss cast or, or what have you, which is might not be your general, you don't get the full effect of that spell. Um, so it's, it's a weird little counter synergy that could exist there and make it a little bit... Like if I was playing like a... a you know, Elicit had like a really good like single guy that was casting, that would be way more attractive to me. Yeah, yeah, no, good call, good call, good call. Um, yeah, or or you know what, if your guys are hugging each other and you don't want mm. them to all blow up at the same time, if it's independent, you don't have to worry about it. But when you're, yeah. um, if you're hanging out, you don't want all three of them to pop because they will. But I think mm. the point's been made, like they're okay, uh, but there's nothing auto include for for you as a Nurgle piece. But what is starting to be a little bit auto-include is at least two of these threes. Two of these three spells are becoming very popular, uh, not just at our local scene, but across the board. Uh, people are talking and raving about these spells. That is Hoarfrost, Merciless Blizzard, and Rupture. Do you see all three of these being great choices for Nurgle uh, and or... Well, let's just start at the high level. Where are you at with these three spells, and do they overtake any of the good spells in your list and you've got a lot of really good spell card uh, spell uh, spells in uh, nurgle no um so there's there's two or three that i think are good for nurgle um i think rupture um leans into old man conspine and that's a combo that we're seeing and at least until this spell is fixed um if it is going to get fixed which is to not be able to make your own conspine wild um but nurgle doesn't run that piece and uh, oh, you can, but but it's it's a really expensive piece in a, in a faction that's already really expensive. So I don't see that one being played a lot. However, the other two are really game changing for Noble. Um, in that Merciless Blizzard, um, I'll talk to that one because I think that's um, really easy to see why. In that Noble can have a bit of a problem in just one rounding a really big thing. Um, <clears throat> so a, a really good example is, and this is sort of a litmus test that I have for for output of a list when I when I think of one is how do I deal with the, with the Gargan list? Um, and they, like, you know, whichever you want to look at it, Gargans are probably one of the best, like, you know, uh, Sons of Behemoth are probably one of the best um, indicators of a gear check in the game in terms of you can either kill these guys or you can't. And you either have to control them or you have to figure out another way to, to deal with them. Um, and so Merciless Blizzard is a really big enabler of something like that. Um, it's not just for, you know, sucked in, idiot. Yeah, I killed your zombie dragon. It's... It's actually a part of a bigger, it's part of a bigger concept in, in the faction, which is can you push that out? And similarly, I think that Merciless Blizzard has changed, like it fundamentally changes the game until it's gone or changed. Um, and I, I, you know, either one of those things will happen some at some point in the next twelve months. Um, like you know, the addition will run out, or they'll they'll change how it works. But it it exists and it's clearly popular and it's clearly very powerful. It fundamentally changes the potential tempo for a game to be played. So, um, like, I know a lot of people are unhappy with this spell in the same way that, that they were unhappy with something like Purple Sun when it could already kill anything in the game. Um, the fact that this could drop, you know, somebody like an Archeon or, or pretty much, or, you know, in, in one swing, there's the potential for that, means that you're playing in a world where your big thing can be taken out really, really fast from range with magic, as opposed to, like, let's chip through with, like, lots of D3s, lots of D3s, um, which is what you normally see in... Um, in wizard down, in spell damage because that happens that changes the pace at which trading can happen so until this goes away you need to think well 
this is this is a real potential. I will lose that thing, and I need to be able to then swing the game back. How do you do that? Well, you you bring a monster to fight a monster. You you take Merciless Blizzard to sort of keep up with the the, the exchange rate in a game, uh, the trading rate in a game, which is that like if they can take it up, I need to be able to take it up. Um, so for those two the, for those two things, I think that Merciless Blizzard is really actually quite good and important for Nurgle. Where it's probably not great is that like you know I, I don't think the um, the wombo combo of portal because um, a you can't do it, but um, but um, <clears throat> it, it's a really good example of like if you're going to build this this magical damage output thing, it's about building a magical fortress, it's about a castle sort of play, and and you're now trying to lure people in and you know just really counter punch through. So versus visit really important and really cool, um, at least until it's gone and and and. It's good in Nurgle as long as it's in the game, sort of thing. Um, Hawfrost, can I, can, can I, can I pause you before you go to Hawfrost? Because yeah. I want to talk about the difference between you and I um, mm. on the on the competitive scene. So I play Gits, right? Um, who knew? At 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 tournaments, what I'm able to do is I've got. The, I think the difference between you and I is I have the delivery mechanism. I mm. have a 65 to 70 point wizard that I can put on Merciless Blizzard and I can throw it out at an opponent and don't care if it dies or not. It's a 70-point idiot. In addition, I've got things like Hand of Gork or if I was a Skaven player, I've got my Narholes. Or, you know, there are some armies that have teleporting shenanigans with cheap wizards and the risk-to-reward ability is very, very low. If it fails Merciless Blizzard and dies, it's 70 points, don't care. But for you, you're paying 150 points for that Sorcerer where it's a much harder trade-off and you don't have the teleport to deliver it within 12. I can teleport just outside of nine, which gives me a perfect way to then delete you with Merciless Blizzard. So I think that's like one consideration. And if you are looking at Merciless Blizzard, you've probably got one, maybe two chances at best. And how you get that wizard within 12 of what you want to delete is probably the challenge you need to think about and how you consider it and... I think that's the difference between like Skaven and Gits versus probably most factions with Merciless Blizzard. It's a really good point. Um, and it's where I think those two types of lists, those two types of factions are going to have to fundamentally think differently about how they use that. So for like, you know, the, the web spinner shaman with the, the teleport pew pew, you, like you, 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 if you have the ability to take that, you take that every bloody list. Like it is wonderful. Um, whereas in like, like, like let's compare that with Nurgle. It's your, it's actually, it's where you turn a 140 point wizard into your late game closer, mm. um, or your 360 point little coven into a late game closer. Like they're waiting to mop up at the, at like sort of the late stages of trading with that spell. But you're right. You're only going to get one, maybe two chances of casting that in faction. Um, and then, and then, um, so that's, 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 um, like sort of how that changes tempo. But then if we look at Hawfrost, um, I think that that's beautiful. Like, it's the first time that Nurgle has a real synergistic spell um, in terms of, like, you got the one that makes your disease happen on fives, not sixes. And that's okay. Like, it, it's fine. But um, it's not often, you know, quote-unquote, the electrolytes that plants crave. Um, it's 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 playing into a faction that already has really high volume of attacks. Like, getting to seven disease points is usually pretty manageable. Um, and and that's not necessarily a really important thing. Like, it's not worth giving up a cast of something that's really cool, um, like a Rancid, like a Horfrost, or whatever it is. Horfrost, on the other hand, is so... You know, you, it's ubiquitously strong across faction. 
Um, it's the first, it's the only real way to get Rend into the faction. Um, like Noble is built on an identity of the attack profile of fours and threes or threes and threes, Rend one to nothing, one damage. So, you know, cutting through armor can be something that, that is tough at times. So Horfrost is, you know, it's a chef's kiss. Like it is that, um, that synergy that, that Noble is really looking for. Um, it's that everybody was looking for, but I think that it's really, really good in that front. Is there any particular units, and obviously this is going to change for everyone, right? But is there a particular unit or units that maybe benefit the most from Hawfrost? Um, that maybe like, you know, I, I, I'm always going to chuck this on my Guo. I'm always going to put this onto X. Like, it's going to go onto so many units in Noble. Um, and the big read, like there, there's not a bad unit to put it on, especially when we talk like squad wise, um, because one of the things that Noble tends to wind up having is volume of attacks in melee. Um, so like, you know, the really, really powerful one is going to be something like the Light Lords, because yeah. each guy is making 11 attacks and pumping them to, you know, and turning them into the six bug attacks into Ren three, Ren two or three is a huge swing on how that, that the dice math works. Then you keep your Ren one attacks as they are, they're wonderful, and then you turn these this second set of attacks, which have been okay, into the better attacks. Um, you, you're cheering, um, but then we talk about you know Blight Kings and them picking up Ren two or three, you know, twenty five attacks from a pot of five. Um, even the um, difference um, that it makes to something like Rotmire Creed um, and we talk about Rotmite Creed as a shooting unit all the time, but their, their, their attack profile is identical in melee as it is at range. Fours and threes, red nothing, one damage. So, um, you know, you, you're, gonna, you're probably going to play them in a larger block. So you're getting up to 40 attacks out of that unit and you're probably going to all out attack them because that's what you do to large blocks of units. So they're hitting on threes, they're winning on threes. And then you add any form of rend to that and you've turned them from like this okay unit, like they're, they're very versatile into this really, 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 really powerful unit. Um, and that's that's a game changer. Like that's a big game changer. And the same theory applies to Nerglings, to Plague Bearers, to Plague Drones. Any of those units, probably for the same reasons as um, as the Rotmite Creed, it makes, it, it changes changes what those units are capable of. Yeah, Black Kings were the first thing that came to my mind because they they do a lot of attacks and they're obviously looking for the um, for the disease tokens. But being able to get those Ren, for example, or bringing down some of the uh, the profile to get more of those those um, disease tokens out, um, great. And, and I think probably one of the challenges you're going to have with, let's say, your flies, is you've you got to be within 12-inch range. And I found even with my, my gits in the last tournament, it is hard to stay within 12, especially. And I don't have the speed nearly as much as you do. Like me trying to keep my, my squigs was really tough with this. Um, mm. but like your Black Kings, um, walking up the board, having that wizard keeping within 12, great delivery mechanism to your point. Uh, the Rot My Cree, you probably could touch this on the Plague Bearers. Like, there's so many great options, I think. Um, but Hallfrost for me, out of the three spells, obviously, Merciless Blizzard is the is the damage dealer, but Hallfrost mm. is the consistency I've been craving. And I, even I've been playing with it on my sons of Behemoth. Like I, I, I brought a mercenary mega gargant into my, my gits faction and being able to bring the attack profile on a gatebreaker down to twos, just fundamentally changed the output of the war scroll. And I imagine in your faction, what you could be tapping into and um, where you can get some really good value. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
It's it's a spell that I think could possibly just stay in the game long term. It's it's really it, it's a nice way to, to quote unquote turd polish. Um and, and I'm a big fan of having that in games always. Yeah, I, I I don't mind it. I'm sure we'll start seeing some ways people break it, break the game. But Hallfrost is just overall seems to be a popular spell choice and surprised that nobody um uh you know you got you guys are loving it as well. Probably not going to talk about this a lot because I rarely see a Nurgle list that doesn't have um, a wizard of some description, whether it is a big wizard that might not be an Entorian locus. There's always a wizard. Um, I can't see you just like just doing priests like or no no wizards. Um, do you do you see a world where you've got no wizards? And if you did, would you be just going the pouch of null dust or yeah. like? Yeah, I think Kashinaldos is a really cool artifact. I think it's really good. Um, I think the Nullstone Pebble's pretty good. Um, but I just don't think you're going to see them in Nurgle. Yeah, I didn't want to talk too much because I just see every list has a wizard of some description and it feels like there's no point talking about it. You're always taking a wizard. You've got good spells. A lot of your characters are wizards. Just move along. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one thing I did want to talk to you about because I did look at your list and we will share the lists, um, you know, in the near future. I swear, I promise it's not like a uh, wait till the end, it's not like a Marvel end credit, so you finally get it. But something I really enjoyed was the Antorian Acolytes because I got an extra primal dice, um, if I roll a three plus in a hero phase. And that got me thinking with this Filthbringer discussion. And again, not everyone's playing Filthbringers, I get it, but here I am. Taking the Rotbringer Coven, I've got three wizards. They're all Antorian locusts. I've got a battalion here that is for three wizards. And if I take them, I get an extra power dice. I could be taking two extra power dice a turn if I roll a three plus. And for me at the latest tournament, the power discrepancy between me and my opponent, where I was getting one to two extra power dice in a full turn was ridiculous like a whole battle round where you know they didn't get one i i score my three plus and i've got i've got a one nil lead over you being able to like have that extra dice to shut down your merciless blizzard or your Hoarfrost or that critical spell like i will never leave home without antorian acolytes if if i have the choice um so i want to pass it over to you where do yeah. you stand with this particular battalion whether you're filth bringers or not even if you're not filth bringers do you like it's a serious consideration. Um, it's it's so powerful. Um, the field bringers list that we'll look at later on. I'm st like I, I've played it a bit, and that's the next consideration. That's the next stage is to test it. Where like, and and I'm I'm like not a particularly uh, intelligent person in that. I think that like you know I just go how do I get to one drop or as much lower drop as I can get and move on um, because I, I have to think too much otherwise. Um, but I think that abandoning drops especially with with wizard builds to get entorian locus uh, acolytes is super super powerful and i think that um there's two there's two battalions that are really dragging me away from battle reg now which is that one and command entourage um and and that's just off the back of i i think i realized i didn't figure it out but i just i just realized that you can get the extra spell cast on every wizard in the list with that with that um that magnificent and I really am gonna. I really think I'm gonna start playing in a world where I play, I take command entourage and acolytes, and then figure out what to do with the rest of the list, rather than how do I get my battle reg and a little bit extra, um, because you 
you do that, you get if you get an extra two primal dice over the course of a um, over the course of battle round that your opponent's not, and like like I said, it goes back into that unbind more than the cast. You're just you're denying. You're just playing deny, 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 um, and that is going to be super super strong. It was a deal. It was it made a huge difference. There was plenty of times where my opponent and I both failed to roll the four up to get the primal dice, but then I would roll a three up subsequently and get myself a primal dice. So just having that one up my sleeve. And if I went second in the battle round, I could save it. Then um, I could go for the end. I could go for merciless blizzard and potentially get one or two. There were some times where I had four primal dice when I was going second and I like, well, cool. I want to do blizzard. Oh, I got a particular spell. I could just spend all of the points. As long as I didn't roll those double ones, um, it was a big difference maker with Entorian Locust. So, um, but uh, the challenge for you is, is, you know, you've got your battle reg and, you know, given Nurgle likes to control, you're giving up your one drop. Um, if you're going to take Antorian Locust, that's two, at least two heroes. And then to fulfill Warlord or Battle Reg, you're going to need a bunch of other heroes. And yeah. that your heroes are super expensive, again, compared to my 70-point wizard. So it, it's an interesting trade-off for you. Yeah, and you can, like, that's, that's you hit the nail on the head in that heroes are expensive in faction. Like, um, you accidentally get to six, 700,000 points worth of heroes in Nurgle without really trying. Um and so that, that that's a that's a consideration, but but I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said there. It, it's so strong. So if you were talking to me as like a list builder, are you no because I want to be battle reg still? Are you yeah, maybe depending on like the style of list? Are you as you said, you know, having two spells, and a lot of people don't know this, folks. When you take either a command entourage or a warlord battalion, you don't always have to take a second artifact. You can choose a spell, a prayer. You can take an extra triumph. There's a whole bunch of enhancements you can take instead of just artifact. And this is the first time when I was building my list, um, I actually have been testing two spells on my wizards the whole time until I swapped it out at the very end. And I partially regret not taking two spells because having a faction spell and blizzard, hoarfrost, rupture, having an option in addition to arcane bot mystic shield on each of my wizards. It's so good. I, I I'm a big I'm a big fan of utility. Yeah, it's it's big. It's it's absolutely big. Um, uh, and that's um that's where the consideration. Sorry, I've just um lost track of that. Um, but um, I I think th I think that that's a really really important consideration in that um the where what you're doing with Noble now comes back to uh figuring out a concept, figuring out like think like and, and I you know been playing. Mandolies for a while, but but not just that. But if you think like deck building games, if you think um, you know, MMORPGs um, or um, MOBAs or, or whatever, the the strongest the strongest things, the things that succeed the most, is where there's a clear identity and a clear strategy at play. So if you're playing a noble list that doesn't necessarily um, need that that tempo, well, if they're a bit agnostic about whether or not they're going to go first, second, um, whether or not they're going to cop a double or not. Um, then you open yourself up to not needing to even really think about battle reg. Um, you you can go more down the route of your your, your double your and like and I think that they work in pair um, tandem, especially again. I'm going to talk more to filth bringers in that example. Um, in that you probably go down the route of both because 
Field Springs is going to give you the Entorian Acolytes um, Battalion and pretty much guarantee that you're going to get your Command Entourage as well. So it, it, it rewards on both fronts because you're taking three Wizards. So you, you just take two and Antorian Acolytes, you put the third one into the into the Command Entourage plus whatever hero you bring and your and your whatever heroes you bring and then you're good to go. Um, so that's that's a, that's a really that's a really good consideration at this point. So I was just rereading the rules for Filthbringers. Add three instead of one if that wizard is within three inches of two other wizards. So like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not hard to be getting a, a plus two uh, on the spell cast, plus three if you really focus on it. So mm -hmm. a plus three on your casting, unbinding, and dispelling, plus, you know, trying to go for some high casting like your Hawfrost, like your Merciless Blizzard, or anything in your sub-faction, even getting a plus two to unbind is an incredible figure that might unbind the spell without even having to spend a primal dice, which then you can reinvest somewhere else, or you can use it for other big spells. It's, uh, and that's kind of why I go back to filth bringers, not because I think this is a season for it, but if there was any time that you want to make the most of three wizards running around, uh, you know, there's battle plans that reward you for um, having Antorian locuses on it. There are spells and abilities. This is the season. But do I always have to run Filthbringers? No, it's just the example I'm using. It's just obviously you don't get as much spell casting abilities if I take Befouling Host. There's a different strategy in play. You probably take one wizard that makes the most of it. So you're probably not taking Antorian Acolytes. But the Wizard Finders of Antor, I have not found a use yet, at least in the armies that I'm running. Um, I'm sure there are some builds, and maybe because I just don't have many monsters that aren't heroes. Do you think Nurgle is someone that could benefit, or would you consider the the Wizard Finders, or are you happy with Warlord, Battle Reg, Command Entourage? Yeah, I, I don't get Wizard Finders as a sub-faction. Um, I guess if, if you started to see, like, Zinch being really pre prevalent or, or yeah or a big problem um <clears throat> but i don't know it's it's a weird one it, it feels like the definition of a sex panther battalion like 60 percent of the time it'll work every time but outside of that it's just useless and bad um so i, I that yeah I, I i i'm just a bit lost on that one um and i i read it and then I, like as you were talking about it i had to reread it is probably where i yeah because i've forgotten what it does um if it could be a monster that was a leader, I think different story. I'm like, okay, cool. Now my absolutely own, my like I could I could do something with it, but considering it's a non-leader monster, I'm like uh, uh, I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of reasons. And again, I'd rather take something else than that. I I, I just don't find a lot of use at the moment. Like, you know, thinking of the meta, right? OBR, not gonna help me right now. Um, corn definitely not going to help me. Ko ain't going to help me. Seraphon, I've got to crack through those Croxigore or those Skinks or those Saurus Warriors before I get into those Wizards. And I think once I get into the Wizards, like I don't have a problem with Croker or Slan. It's just getting through the Meat Shield to get to that point. But yeah, like Zinch, even Lumineth, it doesn't really benefit that much. Like, okay, cool, I can heal one person in the unit that's a Wizard. Otherwise, okay. Mm hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a real weird one. Um, and especially cause it's attached to melee profiles, it's super easy for your opponent to kite, right? Like you know, they, they will just feed, they'll drip feed you anything else in the army anyway. 
And so by the time you get to that like wizard, and, and most wizards are not hard to drop. Like Crow could be probably the hardest on the list in, in the game. And or, or maybe an Archeon or if he, he casts, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, and then you're like, eh, like this this the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. No, nah, it's definitely a very niche build that I, it's a problem I don't have to uh, need to solve. Grand strats, without going into the detail of all these, uh, by now people have read them, they know them. Um, are you taking a grand strategy or are you in, are you enticed by any of these grand strategies or are you keeping within book? And then why, well, whatever your decision is. No, yeah, good, 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 good question. Um, I'm staying in faction grand strategy wise at the moment because I think Blessed Desecration is still one of the best grand strats that, that GW created because of the way that it works. It's it's um, it's good for play, like in terms of like you're working towards it throughout the game, but it's it's um, really about exemplifying what Noble's trying to do, which is play for five turns, control the battlefield, finish the game, controlling piece of train. So it, it, it leans into what you're doing anyway. Um, but I do think Overshadow is very, very doable for, um, you know, it's most builds you're going to have, um, uh, you're going to be able to preserve a battle line unit. And it leans into, again, what Noble's trying to do, which is play five turns of the game. And in the course of that, there's a very good chance that you'll be able to punch through all battle line. Unfortunately, Overshadow can also be just denied by your opponent running a unit to the back of the table, um, which is which is very, very sad. Um, I don't mind spell casting Savant either. Um, uh, just keeping keeping one thing alive uh, gives me the heebies and the jeebies. So it's tough. Yeah. I, I ran it and it's yeah. tough. I'm, I'm yeah. running away from fights. I'm hiding where I possibly can hide. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. you know, if you go up against someone who's got a lot of um, of range and they're able to clear the screens out, obviously Lookout Sir has changed a little bit, but it is hard. I I, I lost it once, actually. I oh, know I lost it twice. I failed it twice. I was a potato with one of my first game. I had uh, my, my wizard went and claimed an objective. I was like, a lot of combat's tied up. And then Kato with his 14-inch fly came in and just deleted my general. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's hard to do. It is really hard to do. But I look at your yeah. list, you know, spread rampant disease, bless desecration, even tend the guard, and I'm like, I kind of like those better than these. Way better, way better. Like, even tend the guard, which is one where your opponent can just run something at the end of the game and shut down. It has exactly the same problem that Overshadow does. So... Yeah, you know, like it's much of a muchness at that point. And in that case, you take the the sub faction that gets you multiple trees. Like, oh, actually, no, even For then, sure. like, it's just within within a tree, it makes it harder. All right, point yeah. point, point made. Slaughter <laughs> of sorcery is difficult because sometimes you can't get to them. Spellcasting yep. seven, it's a risk, uh, a high yep. risk. And then overshadow yep. if you're taking something. It sounds like Tom, that's the one you would take. But I'm hearing yours are better, uh, likely. But I really enjoyed my battle tactics. I found faction versus general's handbook. I was about 50-50. I was always doing at least two general's handbook, maybe three general's handbook, and then two from my book or three. I was always like 50-50. What, what did you find from, from your experience with, with Nurgle in the current season? Exactly the same. I was getting two of one and three of the other, like two book and uh, like of book and GHB, two and three, one way or the other every game. 
Um, like Nurgle has three, like for the list I was playing at Bathurst, uh, it has three tactics that I can get pretty handily in a game. In, um, in a game. Um, and whether I got that third one out of the book or the GHP was based on what was happening in the game. There's only two, oh, three, there's only three, um, three tactics that I'm yet to do, uh, which is reprisal, endless exploration, or magical mayhem. Um, and I guess like go me, I haven't had my general die. Um, so, so like, you know, over the last, cause I've only played Bathurst and, and one other little event, um, uh, and magical mayhem. Um, yeah, I, that, that one's always scary because like, it's about like kill with a spell. And if you're only casting like, two, maybe three spells that do damage in a turn and your opponent's going to try and unbind all of them, uh, that one, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not running Seraphite. I'm not running Zinch. Like that one seems hard to guarantee. Um, so yes, but, but outside of that, the rest of them, like the, the whole, the whole set are, um, really, really well balanced, I think. Um, and I think they're doable for pretty much any, um, faction. I like that they're not stand on objective in a certain way, um, which is what we've seen in the last 18 months worth of GHVs. Um, so yeah, I'm big, big, big fan. And, and that there's, there's situ- they're all situational dependent, but common situational dependent. I'm going to ask you the burning question that I know chat will want me to ask. Turn one, what are your battle tactics? And there's two that stand out for me and the ones that I ran all the time. Um, but where are you? Like if you're turn one-ing, what's your, go? what's your go-to point options? Yeah, there's three that I um, turn one with in uh, in my Drown Men build, which is Intimidate the Invaders, um, which I try to keep for later in the game. Like because you're pre-game move, like t- typically – even if um, you get pinned by moving forward, if you've decided to move forward because you're not scared of what your opponent's going to take, um, you're, you might even be out of your territory at that point, which is kind of cool. Um, so that's one. That's probably the least common of the three. Um, outside of that, uh, Magical Mayhem. Like, you know, Nurgle's not really casting spells um, at your opponent. They're not really casting spells in Synergy. Um, so I had a lot of games where I would have Bellacore stand... 30.1 inches away from my opponent's line and cast Mystic Shield on absolutely nobody and get a tactic. Um, oh, you mean dom- you mean dominance, right? Magical dominance, which is magical cast dominance. On Sorry, yeah, yeah cast. Just, just want to clarify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dominance. Yeah. yeah, stay stay outside of 30. Watch out for heroic willpower. Like, make sure no yeah. one else gets a, a sneaky unbind. Don't ever pick it against Legion of Night because they're going to heroic action teleport to unbind to, to be in range. Um, I, I just want to tell you how big my my grapefruits are. I got this off against corn. Well done, well done. <laughs> not, not, not an easy feat. No, nah, no. Nah, look, but they gave it to me first turn. They gave me they gave yep. me top of turn one, so I yep. took it while it was available. Uh, so intimidate the invaders, absolutely. Magical dominance, absolutely. What's your third? Uh, it's a, it's a noble one called the droning, um, which is especially in a pre-game move world. Um, it's have fly, uh, have a different unit of flies in every quarter of the battlefield. Um, so again, it's a, it's a no dice rolling. It's a you can just guarantee it, um, especially in lists where you're not having to hard commit your alpha. It's not hard to you know leave two units behind or a Lord of Afflictions and a unit behind, send the the rest up the table, um, and just guarantee that one. I just want to call out as well because this caught off a few people I noticed um, when I've been playing with them. Magical dominance is there's two factors. You've got to get a spell off 
and you can't fail anything else or nothing else can be unbound. So yeah. a lot of people that I've seen um, have not read that second part. So like they'll go for a second or third spell cast. And as if one of those are unbound, your whole grand strategy is out. So just doing yeah. the, the lowest cast possible, if it happens to be uh, Mystic Shield, do one and then give up your whole spell cast for the rest of the, the turn because uh, you will lose magical dominance just as a friendly reminder, I just I caught out a few people that that surprised them. For sure, like like there is it, it's okay to, to live in a world where you stand by an arcane terrain, dump two like you know taking a second, dump two um, primal dice into casting an arcane bolt that you don't use, and then just stop casting with your whole army. Like it's yeah. okay. It's a good call on arcane terrain as well. Like hunt down arcane terrain, make sure you got a wizard within one uh, if that's a possible option for you. You know, stay outside of 30, dump all your um, your, uh, primal magic dice if you need to, like whatever it takes um, if if you fail that that crappy roll. But, yeah, very easy one. Yeah. Cool. Um, But the rest of them, super, super, yeah. Yeah, they're all all pretty achievable. I've done Reprisal. Um, The only one I haven't done is Endless Expropriation. That's the only one I haven't Mm. found because, funnily enough, I have not faced against uh I haven't played against any endless spells. Like people have taken them like Grave Tide or Geminids, but none of them hit the table. Like I actually haven't had a chance to get rid of any. Uh, I haven't played really many Cron Spines lately. Um Yeah, it's wild. The, I haven't played many of spells. The Cron Spine one's really, really hard now because if it's been taken, like it's not you know, it's not 2022 where you're seeing a Cron Spine in every other list. It's been taken pretty exclusively the list that are comboing to level it up and turn it wild anyway. So they're going to deny you the ability to make it wild regardless outside of turn one, and you're not going to be able to kill it. Yeah. For anyone who rupture right now doesn't specifically say that the incarnate has to be an enemy incarnate. So you're seeing people like Zinch just go, cool, I have an incarnate. As long as I keep out of combat with my own people, I'll make it ruptured. But yeah, I, I haven't had the chance. I think probably one of my last king things I kind of want to get into before we get into your lists, and then I have some some questions in from from chat, is this War Scroll got updated in the Hubbringer of the K, by the way, got updated in the Dawnbringer Book One. Uh, we're not, we're not going to talk about the uh, the Regiment of Renown because you can't take it, so it doesn't matter. At least for you guys, it doesn't matter. But the Harboring of Decay had some interesting changes. Both it lost some things, but also gained some things. And the sentiment that I've been getting right now is it's a cool model, don't get me wrong, but there's a few things that it lost that maybe they missed, that they wish they still had, and I haven't seen it yet in many lists. Um, as a Nurgle expert, when you look at this War Scroll, do you like it? Um and if you were going to take it, like what's the type of list that you're you're running or what's the maybe the units that you want to be using the Harbinger with? Yeah, the Harbinger is a is a funny one, isn't he? Um it, we got everything that everyone, that that people have been calling out for forever, which is we want a priest. And uh turns out you don't actually want a priest. Um <laughs> it's a weird one. Um so he's 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 an interesting one. Where the the actual, I think the actual biggest sin they committed with with this, as far as like it, it being a viable, like viably competitive piece, it went from like one hundred and forty odd points with this with that wound and save profile to one hundred and ninety points. So what it used to be was basically a discount Lord of Afflictions. Like if you didn't have the points for a two hundred and thirty point mounted hero that could take the crown of 
uh, the split on helm and the overpowering stench. You could put it on this guy and you play the, he's a little control idiot that runs around. Um, he's 190 points now. So he's not really, he's a 40 point discount as opposed to a, a 90 point discount. That's quite a significant change. And the, the rules that he picked up aren't exciting good enough to be, um, to like be a unit, ubiquitous um, pickup. Um, the, his, his native prayer also just isn't, what you, what's drawing you to the to the the um the card the the war scroll, and I still haven't quite figured out if you want a bell or a scythe because neither seem particularly synergistic. The bell, like he feels like he's fine in if you want to take the regiment or Mount renown in Slaves of Darkness, for example, that, that feels fine because there's a lot of synergy there in terms of they're not racking up just um, disease points, so instead you put curse on them. Um, so then then I would ask like what universal prayers because that's kind of now what we're dealing with is that he's, you're paying 190 points for a priest. What prayers you are you caring about? Heal, you're getting heals every turn, uh, you know, and, and army-wide heals every turn, and D3 army heals army-wide single turns in every build and sometimes every turn in some builds. Um, so then we go, okay, so that's not super-duper important. Maybe if you're running like a, you want to run in with um, the Magath Lords, that'd be cool. So then Curse, um, Curse actually might have some legs even in Nurgle where you're stopping disease. Um, but I'd be doing it on a list that's like running, like the I've sort of toyed with the idea. I've written a couple of lists, which is we're going to run two units of um, Rot My Creed. And so you curse for one unit and you don't for the other sort of thing, um, which is really hard. And it's, it's it, But in terms of those guys with shooting on sixes to wound, do mortals would be really, really, really good. Um might be worth a consideration, but I think him into like a mass rot my creed army, that would be the only place where I actually would take him. And even then I'm not sure I would. And just to clarify something you mentioned, um, when you say it would stop disease, it's because both disease weapons and curse are triggered on sixes to hit. So you can't get both. It's one or the other. You get to choose. The question is, what do you want to choose? And do you have the volume of attacks to be taking advantage of, of curse? The challenge with curse is its range of nine. So it's always hard to be within range to pull off curse. Um, I found my best strategy was like my, my priest wagon in daughters of Cain with my, you know, cold drinks. It wants to be close to combat, but outside of that, pulling off curse is incredibly tough. Um, Cause even if you have a teleport, you can't teleport within nine. So you've got to walk up and get within range and you're right. 190 points. You know, look, you know, for me, the thing, like obviously one, having a priest is great. Get rid of some things like Doors of Cain, Fire Slayers, just to name a few, some of their abilities. But it's, just, it's the Shutter Blight rule that I really like. But do I need to spend 190 points to get Shutter Blight where I could use Geminids? I could be like, there's other ways that I could be using, you know, do I need that for 200 points, basically? So take Overpowering Stench, for example, and have it in a much bigger range. Um you know, it, 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 maybe shut up like in a in a world where you're like super duper scared of um, OBR. You know, you take him as a second overpowering stench piece, but it's it's a, it's a hard one to to fight for at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. Like, it's a lovely model. Don't get me wrong. Probably the points yeah. are a little bit off. Like, if it went down to like what 160, 170, maybe it's a bit more attractive. But nothing screams out. I, I think if I had the choice. I'm probably going the play side. Like while I like the idea yes. of the bell, the fact that the shutter blight has to be within three inches, 
um, makes me think that I need to be a bit more offensive with this. And subtracting one is not a lot. Like it's okay, but it's not huge. It would have been fine as an every turn rule. And the fact that it's not makes it not the bell not worth it in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. What well, the, the once per game minus one. When we li- when we used to live in a world where corn would half your run and charge, uh, and you've got other spells that can do stuff like that. I guess for me it's just like eh, I got other points to spend on. But you have spent your points here. So this is your five and O list. And then we'll go to an alternative thinking. Like I know not everyone wants to be Lord of the Flies. Um, but here's, here's what got you five and O. And I'm probably less worried about the list. I'm more worried about like, why did you build it? What's the combinations? And um, how do you play with it? Because you don't have a lot of models. You it's hard to contest objectives because what they're worth two that what the unit of Pascal bite Lords are worth four on objective total as, per unit, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the, like the Rottmeyer, you don't have a lot of objective control. Yeah. So how do you, how do you control the board? How do you go five and oh? How do you beat uh, a, a Slanesh army that has 88 Blissbob archers? Um, how do you like, how do you make the most of this faction and why is it the time to play with flies? Um, so you, you actually answered the question in your question, which was 88 was five archers. Um, Terence, wonderful, absolute gem of a human being. Love him. Have played him a couple times before. Love playing against him and watching him rock up to Sydney Slaughter with his, um, list. I was like, that's literally the benchmark of what you need to beat in order to think about, um, placing in the tournament. My my from my side of things, I wasn't too cared about. I, I didn't care too much about the idea of placing, but it was a really interesting thought experiment in terms of like the game in New South Wales has a very clear litmus test of like what the very top end of power curve is in terms of like this is an oppressive threat range um, list in terms of like you can't really engage with it um, in most armies before it, it wipes you out. It's it's got tremendous output. Um, and it's a list with like no linchpins. Like it, it, it's a list where you take it, killing anything in that list has equal value, um, which means you have to be able to kill the whole list, sort of thing, in order for it to drop its total efficacy. And it, the one thing that it does kind of hinge around is the ability to handle uh, hand out three um, commands. So that was that was sort of like I walked away from Slaughter being like, a I needed a faster list to play. I I, I don't think that this list is output wise or anything like that um necessarily um uh better like stronger than what i was playing which was a couple of maggot lords and like the single unit of flies and then the rest was brought my creed and, and bits and pieces um what because I last, last, was... last time i played you like just just to go back really quickly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you you had two maggot lords i remember you had two maggot lords you had less flies like like this is not the only list you run there's a lot of different builds and it's just fascinating you've landed here because this is a very much like 12, 18 months ago, this was terrorizing the meta. Um, probably it was like early season one, but now yeah. like it's back and yeah. yeah tell, tell me more. It's, it's, it's back in pog form. So um, I, I wanted a list that could, um, so I want, so I was thinking about that idea of like um, that and KO can sit back at the table and just then come out and destroy you. So I wanted a list that was a bit faster on pace so it could move up the board. So that, that's where you get those guys. Um, and then I wanted a list that could be not engaged with in return. So 
There's a really fun interaction with this list, which is that you can get the list almost down to a total null deploy in the way that it's currently built. Um, so the Lord of Afflictions can take two units of flies up in the sky with him, and Gutrot Spume can take three units off the table and ambush them from the side of the table um, with him. So that means I could get down to, theoretically, like by a Bellacore and a unit of plus core of Light Lords before we need to roll dice. Um, so, but like, but, um, yeah, they're, they're my only deployments. Um, so in those matchups, this, this was really, really cool. Um, at Bathurst, I discovered that I played this list four or five different ways um, based on matchups. So I think I, you know, I've only got a couple lot of flack for saying like there's a lot of nuance behind playing this list um, because I think a lot of people will see, you know, the, the Pascal Blight Lords and go like, you know, it's just, it's just pin and win. Um, unless you're playing into uh, melee armies, um, very rarely you're going to be going to be allowed to charge their their, their deployment zone and um, and pin them, and that so that that happened two two games out of five at Bathurst where I actually took first and and did the charge in and win. Um, what, what it's the what what it does really really well is um, bait and trapping. So uh, deploy a certain way, let your opponent, and because it's a single drop, like I, like taking a single drop means that you're never reactively deploying consistently like so you it's all going to be based on a dialogue against another battle reg if you are going to be able to re reactively deploy so I, I drop first watch my opponent do whatever they want to do figure out like no that's actually not something i want to go into turn one and use my pre-game move to actually back off and just control objectives and force them to come into me so then i like i can i can you i can draw out castles and i can you know get them to move their army out of position and then slap and then clap back um so that was that was a component um the other side of it is the, the so there's like modules in here. So you got a lot of afflictions of the Blight Lords. They're like module A. Um, module B is Bellacore, which is that you know that we're running into a world where um, big scary is going to be there. Like singular big scaries are going to be around. Guys like Croak, um, Scarbrand, um, yeah, the boats. Um, so he's just a really good insurance policy. Like if I don't want you to do something for two, one to two turns, there you are. There's, it's not a range based thing. Um, I can just I can literally get him out of harm's way and, and lock down. Um, and then if he gets to live around, anything he does from there is gravy, whether it is fighting or dying. Anything he does from there is actually wonderful. Um, and then gut rot spume. Can, 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 can I just pause you on Bellacore, right? Because it is not a Nurgle. It's obviously an ally. It's coming in yeah. or coalition, um, whatever. Why? Why is that important? I just want. I just want to call this out, right? Like, why is stopping someone doing something important, and why is it something that you are investing three hundred and forty points into? Um. Yeah. It, it. It's. It's the only quote unquote synergy that I'm, I'm like that I've got in the list in terms of like um, things doing things to things in order for um, in order to really have control over the game um overpowering stench shuts down your command abilities but then bellacore can shut down an opponent's ability to take like a big piece or a big block and retaliate um or alternatively the, the, you know <clears throat> um one thing that i don't have in this list is a lot of casting and we're in the casting meta and we're in a world where seraphon is is at, at play or we're in a world where zinch is quite going to be quite popular because of the nature of the battle pack so um i look at that and be like you know something like a slan with um, the ability to like it can internally generate you know the equivalent of a unit erupted on charges without blinking an eye in turn um more even more so than croak because i can just stay away from croak 
unless he wants to teleport him in. And if he wants to teleport him in, he's not going to wipe out my argument. Potentially, clap back. But I go, there's a slime. He's not doing your summoning. Um, I'll take first turn and give you the second and dark master him. And, and a lizardman army with two turns deficit of cosmic power points um, is probably going to be enough to really slow down their ability to play the game. And so you're dropping that that value out of out of what they're doing. Their value is out of those points as much as as it is you know sending magic missiles your way. Um, so he's he's a really cool sort of synergy list. And I, again, it's that idea of like I want to think about the big picture, like what could I be playing against and how do I answer those things? Not as much as this list is a big question list. Um, so it's going to gear checking in a multitude of ways. Um, and then the last, like the last, so that's, that's Bellicor's role in the list. Um, and then on top of that, he's a decent enough fighter. He's a scary enough fighter that you have to commit to killing him. Sometimes he doesn't die, but if but if my opponent's committing to killing Bellicor, he's not, they're not committing to killing the rest of the list. And so he's a good little trading piece in the list that doesn't have a lot of pieces to trade um because if he dies it's not the end of the world um if he yeah in in most situations the last module is that got rot spin rot my creed and, and like i i um that unit the, the creed were a game changer for the faction um when they got released um they added a, uh, the ability to poke which is like you know just send some damage your opponent's way um and so because the list can be quite fast they can be a little bit outpaced in, in this particular build. And so I was like, well, how do I counteract that if my opponent wants to A, either deploy away from where, my, if they can deploy away from where my flies can get to, you damn skippy, they're going to be able to deploy away from where my creed are going to get to. So I want to be able to counteract that. So I just bring him on from the table edge at, and the whole unit can pop out nine inches away from my opponent and shoot. The um, range 12? 14. 15? 14, so, yeah. 14 means you can probably, you can bring them out in sort of like a clump and they're all in range of, of the thing at the nine inches from the front guy. Um, so it, it means that like, you know, screening them out is pretty good because if they take like yeah, 40 shots, means they're going to put a good amount of damage in. And then they're sitting in this weird position at the side of the table. Your opponent has to come into them and they're going to unleash hell when they come in. So you kind of get to double dip. It, it, they sort of like self-manufacture a double turn because they're not a reliable hitter. Like they, they hit on fours natively. Um, so you all have tactical and turn they come in and they get on fives. But either way, so many shots is just going to be effective. Um, and so, you know, if my opponent start, goes after, it's a, this, this list really does hinge around of like, if my opponent goes after X, Y, or Z, it's fine. Like, you know, they can go after that. Um, the, 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 they all start to cover each other. And the idea is to um, smother the board with threats, be able to remove things pretty well um and and just play that sort of control game shut shut down your opponent's ability to play the game yeah th this particular list does play the control game incredibly well whether it's you know the bellicor piece and you know you might have that offensive piece that like right well i've kept my my, my stormcast dragons or my offensive whatever my offensive thing is my varen guard um uh, cool i'm gonna go take out this lord of affliction i'm going to go in and i'm gonna go handle it uh cool i'm going to bellacore it uh and you know there's a good chance that at least one turn if i double you and i take the top of the turn or if you win and you give it away then you've bellacored me for two two essentially turns and the, the ability to score battle tactics or to take over this particular unit or whatever it might be um can be incredibly difficult um you know you've taken a lead um you've you've controlled parts of the board the lord of afflictions doing its thing pinning you and 
being able to stop all that attack, all that defense, issuing particular commands that might get you out of trouble um, really makes the Lord of Afflictions and the Pascal Blight Laws incredibly durable, let alone when Bellacore's going around picking on things. I think you're being pinged off by like your Rot My Cree or they're holding objectives and they're doing other things. So you really, while you're light on bodies, um, you're playing almost like a Sons of Behemoth kind of like controlling the board with limited resources. But what you do, you do incredibly well. Um, and it's tough if you don't have the right tools. It is tough to handle this. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think the Sons of Behemoth point is a really good um, comparative um, in terms of strategy. The difference is that Sons of Behemoth, like the giants can come in and they can swing for big damage. Whereas what, like things like, the reason why Pascal White Lords are so good is they just can sit, they swing, they come in and just do consistent amounts of damage all the time. So they've got like the impact hits, they've got the fights, they've got the swings at the end of the combat, but at the beginning of Battleshock, and then you've got disease. So they're just like this dervish of just like constant little bits of damage and little bits of damage all the time equals to big amounts of damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like it. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you don't want to run as many Blight Lords, cool, you can pull back. Obviously, being under the Drowned Men, you get the pre-game move or you're coming in from the side of the board. So you're just giving up some of that stuff. Uh, you obviously could bring, you have no Entorian Locuses here. So certainly you could scale back a little and bring yourself in some different options. But um, this is a list that went 5-0. and oh. It seems like you have um, have all the tools, or at least you have some good tools to be able to handle the current med. Are there armies that you're worried about playing against this? Like, is there, you know, zombie spam, or you know, how do you, how's this fair against OBR? Especially, I mean, they've kind of moved a little bit till Null Myriad, which you don't care about. But even like the Crematorium build or whatever, um, how, how do you think this would handle with like the top the top armies at the moment? Well, how is it handling the top armies at the moment? It's doing fine. Um, I play against a lot of Soul Blight because there's a lot of Soul Blight around, and it's doing pretty well with that. Um, it's doing fine to OBR, doing fine to Slanesh. The weird one is, and this is more of a, um, uh, a, a local thing, is that one of my really dear mates, um, Dan, uh, has, like, he lives rent-free in my um, head for IDK. I just, it's just a faction where they just have the right things to deal with this sometimes when played well. Um, that's That's been it, like, so far, um, uh, which is a weird one. And I think that comes from the idea that the things like the, 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 the incredibly, they're, they're faster than I am. Things like Strike First can be really, really powerful. Um, all that sort of jazz. It, 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 when played well, it, it matches this as far as tempo is concerned. So that, that's 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 been a weird learning curve. Um, I've, I've not struggled too hard into the big bads. It's it's the weird lower you know, lower down the totem pole, less seeing things that that can catch me out. If I was a betting man, I would never pick IDK as the one that would kind of rent live rent free in your head. Yep. I think the 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 one thing I'll call out before we move on to the other list and the the secret source that I really appreciate is the combination of the battle regiment with the drowned men with obviously what you said around the gut rot and the uh, lord of affliction you are one drop so you're going to mostly know uh, who goes first I'm I'm finding people are scaling back from battle regiment at the moment and they're either going warlord entorian magnificent they they're going kind of four drops at least so you're going to have a good chance of controlling the tempo early. You then have the ability to to deploy off the board, or you get the ability to move up the board um, before in a, in a pre-game move. 
and then you have some repositioning. So from like a, I guarantee myself turn one and I get to do my thing. You almost get to execute a plan in turn one that puts your opponent on the back foot immediately. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is where I would argue that like battle single drop battle rage has to be purposeful. It's not just, you know, whether it's, you know, it's a game strategy, you're taking that or things like my army really can't handle being doubled by XYZ type list. So I'm taking a battle rage to guarantee that that doesn't happen. Um, you need to have a reason for it. I, I think we're actually, we might be a little bit past the point of like, you need, you just take it because it's the best thing in the game. Yeah, it, it is very good. Um, but you also have been playing around with some other lists and I know you, you know, we, we've been talking about filth bringers, um, and there's no surprise that you have put an example here of, uh, a filth bringers list. Um, and you've got some of the common traits from what you've had. You still got the Lord of Affliction. It's a great mm -hmm. unit. Um, even if I wasn't building into flies, I feel like it, it's a great piece that uh, does control the board a lot. You have got um, probably a little bit less uh, Blight Lords here. You've got three units of, of two Blight Lords, the Pascal Blight Lords. You've still got your 20 Rotmire Creed. You brought yourself the Suffocating Grave Tide. You've got Blowab Rot, uh, Rot Spawn. And you've got your three Rotbringer Sorcerers who have replaced like your Bellacore and... Um, who was the other guy? Was it Gut Rot Spume? Gut Rot the other? Spume. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've 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 sw switched up and uh, moved a few things around, but you've kept your similar mm -hmm. core. You've got your Battle Reg, and you've got Command Entourage. So how does this list differ, and what's it doing that the other one couldn't? So whilst there's you know there's, there are still flies, um, it, this list plays completely differently to how the um, list I talked about this does. Um, I'm seriously thinking about bringing this to to GT. It's so fun to play. Um, like just in terms of like, I just want to play five really, really fun games. This list is mega fun to play. Um, the way that it plays differently is that it's very much a castle build. Like the fastest things in the list are only speed eight, not that fast in the context of the game. So they're very good at like sort of getting to the edge, of, like, you know, sort of sitting on the edge of a zone and then just being able to consistently threat anything that's in the zone. Um, which is actually kind of like what I think threat range game like i like that sort of threat range game like um you know the, the game is about fighting over circles um so this list is, is a bit more castly like you know you wrote my creator deploying on the table in every game um you've got the even though you've got the three flight lords the reason why they're in the list and it's it's not because um you know I, i'm a you know totally addicted to flies it's um actually a battle line problem that noble has and i, I touched on it before which is that sub factions Oh, uh, how you unlock battle line in um, Nurgle as opposed to characters or just that you have a range of battle line options. So you've got Blight Kings or you've got Plague Bearers. You yeah. can unlock Blight Lords by taking a Lord of Afflictions as your battle line. Otherwise, you're having to play in a totally different sub-faction. So you get, for example, you get Rob Micrade in Blessed Sons. You get Plague Drones in Droning Guard, Beast of Nurgle in uh, Befouling Host. So... Um, uh, this list has been built up, uh, not necessarily that because you have to take Blight Lords, but just that they're, and not because I think that Blight Lords are um, what you need to play. The, the reason why I play them is because they're speed eight, not speed four. Um, I find mm -hmm. speed four so frustrating to play with. Why I'm playing Noble as a faction, I don't know um, as a result of that. But um, so, so the, the, the unit composition is built on that. They're really consistent, you know, that everyone should respect, you know, the fly. Um, as far as their output's concerned. 
But what the list is actually trying to do is is create like sort of it's as opposed to like individual what can be individual modules like every there's target saturation that can be anywhere on the board sort of thing which is what the last list was doing. This is trying to death ball. Um, it's built around the idea that you know everything sort of stays in like this blob and it pivots. It, it moves up. It picks a direction. It's going to move and it sort of moves in that direction. It figures out what way it wants to cover scenario and it covers that scenario. And it's all sort of about um, not layering synergy, but layering um, like output. So your Rottmeyer are going to be like, you know, your quote unquote screen. Um, they, they're going to sit there and, but they've also got output, like they are going to shoot. But like I was saying before, what I love about shooting in this game is that it's sort of like a self-manufactured double turn. If you want to deal with Rottmeyer and you want to fight them, they're going to, they get to shoot you again. And then mm. even if you, even if you um, like wipe them out, you're now, which is not easy to do. Like people really underestimate how easy it is to kill Rottmeyer. It's not easy. Um, they've still got a five up ward. There's 22 wounds in a unit. And what I will do in most games is I'm going to be like, you come in and kill them, no dramas. I'll remove them so that they're not engaged anymore and start moving them away and rallying the crap out of them. Because if you kill, like, I think um, a, really, a really good example is like the game that you and I played at Dice like a little while back, which is, you came with Jack, you like you blitz the unit. There's like three guys remaining. I was like, sponsors, they're not touching the game for us. Like they're not touching anybody for the rest of the game. They're walking mm. away. And it's going to rally them for four more turns and they get back to decent numbers. Uh, and then you start building that output again. Um, so you do that. And then you've got, you've got your flies and blowout um, sort of sitting there. And so this list is, um, in contrast with the other one, it is actually built around how it can output. So Blob is actually really, like the Magathlords are really good heavy hitters. Like they've got the high end, high damage attacks, which you don't see anywhere else in the faction really. Um, and then you've got the Wizards. So if you want to send a Swarm into me, that's cool. This list has no problems handling Swarms. Every Wizard has met Rancid Visitations, which if you don't know what it is, is a range seven spell. It casts on a seven, so it's pretty easy to get off. Um, and even though it's range seven, it targets a unit. You roll a dice for every model in the unit. And on a two plus, you do a model wound. It's the it's the strongest horde clearing spell in the game, um, and so you've got that, and you've got merciless blizzard. So every wizard knows um, rancid visitations, and then two will know merciless blizzard. So it's just a case of like the clapback is is strong because um, that clapback can happen, and you got the graveside as well because that clapback is happening um, in the hero phase. The army can unjam itself really, really well. So, like I said, it was about layer. It's about layering and unpacking your own output as the game progresses and moving that death ball around as you do it. Yeah, no, I like it. And the fact that, and this is what I found with my gits when I was running like Blizzard, I had a couple of other offensive spells, and it makes it hard to understand where my power dice go and which is the one that I want to stop. Is it Scrag Rots, Mortal Wounds for you know every dice after three plus? Is it Merciless Blizzard? Is it Hoarfrost? Is it X? Is it Y? Is it the Hand of Gork that leads into Merciless Blizzard? Like there's so many choices. And when you start making your opponent make tough choices and you're like, cool, you shut down Merciless Blizzard, no problem. I've still got Rancid Visitation. I've still got this. Mm -hmm. And you've got utility and you've got a lot of value there. But I, I, what I do want to talk about um, before we uh, get into some like wrap-up questions mm. is suffocating Grave Tide is something we don't really see very often. At least it hasn't historically seen play. So why is it that you would spend the 30 points for that versus guaranteeing yourself a triumph or maybe spending the extra 30 points you've got spare in order to get uh, – 
is um is draw yeah, sixty or seven like yeah something that's fifty yeah. sixty points you know like like why this one? So um good uh, good reasons. There's there's two or three. Big one is that the Rockbringer Sor sorcerers have a special rule which corrupt um the endless spells. So while that endless spell is on the table, for all intents and purposes, it's a noble unit, which means that it goes out and it causes disease to happen elsewhere. And once the disease clock starts, unless you can heal it off, it's just like little little bits of chip damage. Um, it, it, disease is, is a weird mechanic in, um, uh, in terms of like you can build into it, but it's always there if you don't. Um, so that's like a number, that's, that's, that's a reason. The other reason is that it um, is really big base size. So if your, your opponent has options for dealing with it once you get it off, they can either try and unbind it Awesome. That's not a spell. They're, that's a spell they're not casting. And like I was saying before, this list is very much designed. Like it's got good casting, but it's very much designed to just pull apart your opponent's spell casting in return. Like it's got good unbinds. And something like a grave tide means they have to commit to um, binding it. Otherwise, it's going to do what it does. And then the third reason, which is why, you, like you know, the reason you take it, it's got really good damage output, especially against large units. So it roll, it moves over a unit, roll dice equal to that unit, and on a five plus you do mortal wounds. And so that particular really, like the way that does damage, all the Rockbringer spell, all the Rockbringer um, sorcerers have exactly the same spell at range 14. So you can just like start like absolutely carpet bombing um, armies that are taking lots of units with these spells and just really thinning, thinning them out. Um, so it's it, I, I, like, whilst there are other ones that I'd say are like quote unquote more powerful for the purpose of this list, I don't need Geminids. I've got a lot of afflictions and raw to shut down command points. Um, Maelstrom, I'm not, I'm probably just not casting enough to get the value out of it. Um, Jaws is, 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 it's just an expensive boy. Um, and the Gravetide moves really far. You cast it at eight. I think it like moved, then moves 12. So it gets up in people's faces. Um, so it was sort of like, it just sort of felt like the total package for me. And I found that every time I've used it. And it's the price for me that is it's the driving mm. factor. Like I, I was in this situation where like, do I take Geminids? Do I take um, uh, Quicksilver Swords? Do I take Shadow? Like all these different options. And they're all fitting like 50, 60, 70 points. And I'm like, mm. I would rather the Triumph. I'd rather plus one to Wound, Inspiring Presence essentially, and just shutting down my opponent getting the Triumph. So for me, most of those Endless Spells were too high. But suffocating grave tide at thirty points, and to your point, um, when it's cast by a rotbringer sorcerer, and I know people talked about shackles as another good example of having three particular points of the field, and that would cause um, disease tokens. Um, thirty points is nothing, and you've got a good chance it's still nineteen seventy to get yourself the triumph, or at least deny your opponent the triumph. And some armies really need that triumph. Yeah, and, and like I, I'm looking at you, kids, in terms of like armies that need triumph. So like it's sort of, you know, once and, and this was like, you know, I'm going to pretend like I thought about all this. But um, the other side of it is that by denying that triumph, it almost then replicates the effect of like a whore for us as well. On top of that, because you can shut down command abilities in faction any, anyway, and then triumph for indomitable is a way of is a way of getting around blocking command points. So it's again, it's just sort of it's just layering in what you're abusing uh, of your opponent. 
yeah, my son's always wants the plus one to wound. So like mm. getting, you know, the difference of getting the plus one to wound and not getting the plus one to wound at a critical time is, is, is so important. That's just one of many examples. I was just, while you were talking, I was refreshing myself on plague bearers. I'm like, yep, they suffer the same fate as demonettes. Like you look at it and it's such an underwhelming battle line. Like, great yet one attack each hit on fours wound on threes no ren for one damage i wouldn't even haul frost that unit because yeah you could go ren three or hit on twos or wound on twos but it's still like eh. and like yeah you can get the uh what's the spell where you add extra wound to it you've got the um oh um yeah there's two versions there's two versions you've got the mortals yeah like i'm like other than turning it into like a three wound tar pit, and now that there's no bounty hunters, mm. maybe that's why I bring in plague bearers. They did get a points discount as well. They're now sitting at what one ten, I think it is. So it's not two. Are they one thirty? They're still one thirty. Yeah. So I thought, they, I thought they discounted. So they they, they were one fifty. Oh, so... they went down. I thought they went. I thought they lost twenty points. It went from one thirty to one ten. I'm like, one ten. Like if they were one ten, I'm like. That's not so bad, but 130, yeah. I'm like, uh, now I understand and appreciate and are reminded why unlocking different battle line options is uh, the better probably play at the moment. Yeah, it's um, it, it's where so I, like I I still like playgrounds. They have a role, like they, they they have a very distinct role, which is not nothing to do with output. It's to do with the fact that they're 20 wounds and randomly bring themselves back. Um, and that combo is that that, that wombo combo is really nicely with um the sloppy bar piper. Why don't like uh, and I was running that like I ran that at slaughter as part of the base list, um, because I wanted a champion and I had the points left over for another unit. And I was like, this synergizes, this is actually a really nice little bit of synergy, but it's speed four. So, like, if, if they if and I I, I I haven't been playing the game long enough to to have seen what Noble like before, but I understand they used to be a little bit faster. In a world where they're a little bit faster. That is um, an understatement. That is an understatement. Sure. Old Nurgle could get into combat in turn one because you would have a feculent Narmal in the middle of the board. If you started your charge within seven inches, you mm -hmm. could run and charge. So you would just run up the board, get within seven, slingshot yourself into your opponent. Uh, it was the stupidest thing in the world. But uh, yeah, a lot of Nurgle people are a little bit sad when that transitioned. Um, there was a lot of so, angry so, comments. There was a lot of angry comments. Like, yeah, that seems silly. Um, and I would say that of all the units in the world, like to to get something like a um, a hero move phase, a hero phase move ability, or just a speed buff, something like I think Playbearers is sort of the inoffensive version of that because they're not their job is to just get into combat and then just be not piled in upon for the rest of the game. Like, they're just there to not die. Um, but at 130 points and then needing to bring a hero to do that, I just, I'm not, I'm not that keen. I feel like that unit is competing in a very similar role to Nurglings and Beasts of Nurgle, where if yes. I want to pin my if I want to pin my opponent down, I don't care about the damage output, but I'm just going to grind and slow down my opponent, whether you've got sloppity or no sloppity. There's three units that are basically doing the same thing, just in different ways. And I'm probably either going for the Nurglings with their deep strike ability from from a terrain piece, or I'm going the Beast of Nurgle because of the speed, the speed and the mortal wounds output. Um, the only thing that those two units don't have going for them is the battle line keyword. Yeah, and and that's and that's it's where the books are in a really strange place. And and at some point, I'm assuming you know, the book will get it. We'll get a new book. 
Um, I'd be very interested to see how they handle that because I think that's a, that's been a limiting factor the whole way through is you see flies because they're the easiest battle line to unlock in faction in every sub-faction and they're, as a result, the best. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think GW's learnt a lot after Nurgle. So, like, Nurgle was mm. the turning point. You look at how they wrote Stormcast, uh, Orcs, mm. even I think Skaven was before you. Um, yeah. Those, those, I think Daughters as well. Like, I think they've learnt a lot about the yeah. about writing battle tomes for the third edition you guys started cracking the code but you look at the difference between a battle tome today versus a battle tome then they're chalk and cheese so i imagine there will be a lot of opportunity but hmm. um yeah it's, it, it, so i've got a couple of qu rapid fire questions for you coming from yeah, the great. discord server are you ready are you ready for for like uh, hard fire questions I was born ready. I hope the listeners and viewers are ready for some sweet hot takes. That's all I'm going to be good for. All right. Big Bobo asking, uh, does the Glotkin have a place in a more elite mortal list? Hell yes, it does. Um, I am the biggest fan. That was the that was the model that got me into Noble, both aesthetically and rules-wise. Um, it's so close to being like, if you like to the point where like, if I think about Noble, these are the lists that, that my opponent would bring. It is so close to being in that category. Um, and in the hand, and it's it's probably one of the best examples of a model in the game that is like a, a demonstrator of like skill expression. Um, I know Emma over in the States has done well with it recently. Um, I like I, when I first jumped jumped on the scene, I played it for about I played it at like events for about six months um, uh, and, and was doing pretty pretty okay with it. Um, so I'm a big, big fan. Um, the second that either it goes down a bit more or Blight Kings go down to where I think they should be, um, it will just be played a lot because it's super fun to play. So Glotkin went down 50 points recently. It's yep. still not, from what I'm hearing, it's not enough for you. What What's the price point that you think the current War Scroll is fair value? Yeah, so it, it's it started at like seven hundred when the book yeah. first came out. Way too expensive. I was playing it at that point, um, and I guess the game hadn't like you know there were less things in the game that could deal with it at that point. Um, if you play it well, it was fine. Um, but it's dropped down to five hundred and fifty over the course of the last eighteen months, and even then, I'd say it needs to be around like the five twenty. Uh, you know, the the disgusting apologist in me is going to say five hundred, but five twenty is probably where you want to see it. Um, and then it's like it's like at that point a little bit more than a great unclean one, which I don't think of uh, worth taking uh, at the moment because of speed four. Even though this is only speed five, um, but the black Krieg ability, the two cast wizard, um, and the fact that it's a pretty decent output model, um, and it's got the control because it's got this like rule where you have to run away from it or take damage. Um, sorry, I'm just going to keep saying ands for it. And it's got like a monstrous rampage that has that just causes five mortal wounds. Yeah, that mo that a, monstrous rampage. Package. That monstrous rampage is money. So, um, yeah. it's a great piece. I like. I think. I think five fifty is fair. Um, fair. I can appre I can appreciate why five twenty five thirty would make it feel good. I think to your point as well. Like what's happening to like your blight kings and other things around it. Um, but I think definitely like it, it's it's points were set way too high, and I think it's definitely worth considering again it, it's probably close yeah um sprog mcjob saying um and we talked a little bit earlier already about bella course so it's kind of tying into this with around allies so we so we know bella core cockatrice varangard uh 
good options for allies for Nurgle. Are there any others that kind of like bring curiosity to you or anything that you might be worth considering or a tester that you like? Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of allies that I would consider bringing in. Um, the, especially now with the like recent points changes, the Slaves to Darkness Demon Prince is a really interesting pick because it has a heroic action, I think it's a heroic action that shuts off wards while within three inches of it. So at 150 points, it's a tanky little dude and shuts ward, like that shuts wards off for the rest of your army. Makes your output really, really, really good. So he's, he's a cool little one. Um, the other one that I um thought about a lot heading into this edition and then i haven't done a lot of experimentation with it but i do think it's going to be there's uh th so there's two models for the same reason um is the infernal and rapturous um and the cycle um yes. because they're just cool little magic control pieces that are so independent of the rest of your army um the the cycle especially because it's a monster is pretty handy for things like gits Ideneth, um, all that sort of stuff because it also puts a piece on the table that could just straight up deny their grand strategy if it gets near their terrain piece. And so it's it's then becomes a focus of, of effort and stuff like that for your opponent's output. Um, so I think those are really good. Um, the ones you said before, like I think Bellacor is just the best um, ally in faction. Um, most of the Slaves of Darkness are really, really good. Um, I was playing with Corvus Cabal um, in, I took them to Sydney GT. Um, they're so cheap for what they do, which is just they're a teleport, they're, they're a deep strike scenario unit. Um, that can't be shot while in cover. So, like, you can land some pretty golden opportunities for them to just be nine nine bodies on a thing. Um, so they're all they're all really 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 good. Um, Cockatrice, absolutely. Um, I think those are the ones that you're going to focus on, uh, like Chaos Warband. So undivided, Corvus Cabal, um, the the monsters, Bellacore, Cyborg, and then uh, and then heroes and units like the Raptress and the um, the Varangar. Yeah, yeah, all all good choices, and obviously, you know, you could get some, you know, some clan pestilence if you want to bring some plague monks in, or maybe you get, oh, you, you could bring some cheap. I oh, know they're plague priests, prayer priests. They're not even wizards, so you can't even jump through that. No, there's a couple of good options if you want to go into it, but yeah, I think you've you've called out the ones that I would have called out. Um, I, I, I would love for the next book to have um, clan pestilence as a sort of like a dual book. You know, because I've, I've played Skaven in fantasy and I played Pestilence in fantasy, so I would love to see that come back. Well, it's interesting because, like, if you look at the way the game's going, you're losing a lot of coalition. So mm. it makes me wonder, will you still see coalition in chaos? Because so. chaos seems like the last bastion of, of coalition. So. Coalition. Yeah, like is it just going to stick to allies? But, you know, there's obviously a cool lot, lot of options. I think the challenge is your things just cost a lot of points. So. Yeah. Do you have the points to invest to begin with? Um, yeah. Cool. That 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 question. Uh, what else? There's a couple of other final questions. So, um, no, I'll say that one to the end. Uh, Ryan, aka Pizza, saying, "How would you recommend tackling the top of the current meta? Any tech for fighting the best army specifically?" And obviously, this is a challenging one because how those top five armies are playing right now all have different keys to the kingdom and no silver bullet sits in your battle tome to handle obviously actually there's probably the, there's, there's one unit that probably is closest to the silver bullet uh and that's that lord of affliction but any any advice or any tech that might help you with some of these big bads of the of the meta 
Yeah, I think that you like. I think a lot of afflictions solves a lot of problems. I think I think Bellacore solves a lot of problems. So like those are two pieces. Like there's a reason why I'm reaching for those two pieces. Um, as far as the idea of tackling top of the meta, it's as much understanding what they do as it is what you're bringing to the table. Um, and you can bring the best list in the world, and if you don't understand what your opponent's trying to do and how to beat it. You're going to lose that game most most of the times, especially if it's a t- if you're playing something like Noble with you know it's it's absolutely very true forty four percent win rate, which I'm very dubious about, um, uh, versus like you know a seventy percent faction, which again dubious about. Um, but if you don't understand what your opponent's trying to do, um, you'll get caught out. You'll lose. So what I would be recommending doing is um, don't shy away from those games and. Be ready to stick with something, stick with a faction for a, a decent while, because um, I think what uh, again, again, I'm, I'm I'm doing some hot takes here, but I think what the last twelve months have really encouraged players to do is to move away from the idea of like jumping from faction to faction to faction to faction all the time. Um, the six month GHP is really, for me, reinforced the need to do to, um, deep dive into a faction. Because if things are rapidly changing all the time, faction mastery is really, really important. Um, so I think those are two really, really important parts of it. Um, the other part of it, and this is a really hard one for players, especially because this hobby is not its not like Magic the Gathering. Like you can't just go and like bin a card and, and, and swap one out. Building, buying, building, painting models takes a lot of time and you get really attached to them. Um, but I think being able to kill your darlings is really, really important as well. If you're playing a list and you're playing a grand claim one and it's not getting what you need to do, be ready to drop it. Um, you can still have that model. Like you, it doesn't change how much you love that model. Like you know, you're not cheating on it. Um, it but it, it doesn't have to be on the table in every game you play. If if you're wanting to do um, better against the things that are peaking it, so I think I think those are those are really really important considerations. Yeah, no, good good call. I know when I was running Stormcast, I got into it for dragons, and I love dragons, mm. but. At the end of the day, they're a big point sink. They didn't give you a lot of tools outside of the dragons when you're spending so many points on these models. You scale that back and bring some Forminators or some equivalent of a Dracoline, and you mm-hmm. get more bang for your buck for your points. So as much as I love my dragons, like I could run my dragons and think, right, I'm just gonna i I'm gonna do the best I can with what I've got. Or if I really do want to go well and, and defeat those, I'm gonna have to maybe make that decision, that hard decision leave the dragons at home and bring something that's going to get me a better bang for buck so it's a good comment and especially like you know people do jump factions and like when they run an army for the first time and it doesn't do well they lose and they start gutting their army quickly often as you said it's, it's just the wrong decision and maybe you did a critical thing where you gave the turn away or you took it or um and i think you and i were talking about this over dinner one day it's about starting list construction at your battle tactics, not what's going to do the most killing and thinking about what, what's going to score you turn one and what's, what, what are your options and, and do you have the tools to score battle tactics that, 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 that's critical. You know, if, um, if you come up against corn and corn is going to do magical dominance and stop you from doing magical dominance, what's your first turn one battle tactic? Cause otherwise uh, you're already going to be down before you've even like had a turn. So Keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah, and uh, this game this game's about playing turns ahead. Sorry, that, that's the only thing no, I like there. No, yeah, 100%, 100%. You're playing turn ahead, turns ahead, uh, agreed. And that's why you see good players are willing to give away the turn because they've set themselves up. But you know what? 
I'm actually kind of okay if you if you win the priority role or if you take it. Um, I, I I'm pretty confident because I've set myself up not just for this turn but defensively as well for the following turns. I've got the right buffs on and, and yada yada yada. Uh, do Toral Black saying do mixed demon mortal lists have a place or do you think it's better to focus on one or the other? Mixed demon and mortal units, yeah, they absolutely do. Um, the the faction all works together pretty well. Um, are all being equal? Absolutely not. Um, so th there are really good demon units to splash in, and the, the two that spring to mind are plague drones, which I'd love to see as battle line. Like if you're gonna make any of the demons battle line, that would be, or any other unit battle line, that would be my unit. Um, the plague drones are this really cool like toolbox toolbox unit they they blend really well with the models and the models blend really well into the demons right um so like yeah you absolutely have a, have, a, have a way to do both those things um but again it's it's about figuring out the right balance for you and what you need to play against and what you're wanting to achieve the second last question average stonehorn enjoyer saying uh from a, an opponent's perspective uh, I swear this wasn't from me. This is from somebody else. Um, how would you tackle a Nurgle list and what do you target first when you play against them? So you're giving the enemy a little bit of a secret. And I think if I summarize what Tom's already said, I think the answer is you don't have one linchpin. Like you kill his Lord of Affliction, you got lots of tools. But like, what's the thing that if I'm going to try to take you down, Tom, um, or a Nurgle list in general, um, do you find that there are linchpins that, 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 We'll start to unravel the the list. Yes and no, and and, and the, that that answer exists in every game that Noble plays. Um, in that individual pieces, unless you're playing something like a Glockin, individual pieces aren't necessarily the important part. It's actually unpacking and unraveling the army as a whole. Where Noble will fall apart, like I said, the output's not that good. Is where you can overwhelm them. Um, so, um, and because they're trying to do exactly that to you. Uh, a good noble list will it, it it plays like a disease. They 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 nailed flavor in this book wonderfully. Um, in that it's trying to suffocate you. It's 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 trying to stop you from being able to play the game. If you can do that to your opponent, if you can do that to the noble player, they're probably going to struggle to 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 dig themselves out. Um, the 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 flip side of that is something like like so. Uh, What's to, so in warmer hordes we had a, we had a term called shoveling, which is like because the game played with a very definite way of winning the game, you can be down, 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 and then have the ability to just figure out a way to linchpin, like remove your way out of the game. Nurgle doesn't have like, and some factions in this game really do. Um, things like KO, um, you know, I played a one like a really amazing game against um, Christian a few weeks ago, and watched him just like pull out like you know four battle tactics with a single boat after losing two before I really had taken any losses. Um, like KO can do that. Sylvaneth can do that. Um, Nurgle doesn't do that very well. The one exception that I'd say is something like the Rockbringers, the Filthbringers list is actually quite good at doing that. Like I said, those wizards are um, like your late game closers. My, so, you go, keep going, sorry. No, no, that, that, so that, that, that's sort of, that's my advice in, in playing this Nurgle. So let me let me share what I think, and then you tell me how how if I'm right or if I'm completely off the mark. I think some lists have a linchpin. So a perfect example is that traditional build where you see the sloppity biopiper at the back stopping people from piling in, and there's a clear linchpin there. You remove that sloppity, or you remove the demon. Like there's, there's things that you can you can unlock, right? But a lot of the time, Nurgle is pretty independent. So if I'm thinking about how do I defeat Nurgle. I always think about them like a death army 
You mm. can't split your attacks. You you can't just go one for one. You've got to commit because, you know, those blight kings, those blight lord, the Pascal blight lords, whatever the, the the unit is, because of the five up ward, because of the healing, because of all the other things, um, they are tougher than they seem. So, and all it takes, as you said, with the rot my coven, you can keep two or three of those idiots around. You'll grow them back. So. Um, you've really got to commit to killing the unit uh, as opposed to like trying to take on multiple units at the same time. And yeah, you chip away, but you don't actually delete the unit. And that's how I found the most success against Nurgle. You're, you're absolutely correct. And, and the, the, the um, like completely, completely agree with that. Um, and something like a unit, like the, the Blight Lords, like is a great example of like kill one unit at a time. Um, and I've, I've, I've had this happen in so many games where somebody's chipped across, they've managed to kill a play out of a unit, that unit retreats, and, then just, and because of the way that it works, I just rally for two turns, get the six, get a, a light lord back, and I'm back to good. Um, so, like, you don't, like, the, the army doesn't care about chip damage. It heals so much, it's so tanky. Kill one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah. Final question that I know you're going to love Manfred, more, more, more talk saying, I love the uh, game already. Yeah, I'll make, there's so many Mortarks I skipped, right? So Ryan Pizza is the Mortark of Disease. You had Bo yeah. uh, Big Bobo, the Mortark of the Moor. Everyone's a Mortark mm. in my Discord, it seems. But Manfred uh, is saying, uh, what's the secret to painting your Nurgle army to look repulsive? Mm. Um, I, uh, yes, um, so many different ways. Um, I think it's trying to figure out what you want to do with the army. Um, painting armies, that's a very, very big cerebral question. Um, I painted my army very differently, I think, to how a lot of people will approach Noble, which is um, coming out of, of um, my last game, I like was like, I really want to learn how to do things like non-metallic metals really well. So this army is like painted at a baseline, very clean, very, you know, very layer centric, very like, you know, dark to light, high, like shade, shading, glazing, whatever you call it. Um, but where it gets real nurgly is figuring out how you make the nurgly things look nurgly. So um, figuring out, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of things like if you, if you see a, like, you know, saws and stuff, um, figuring out how to make them look really gross. So very simple ways to do this um, are things like the contrast paints from G-Dub, the, the blood for the blood god one, the, the red, um, the red um, contrast paint. Is like one of the, the sickest blood effects you can get because um, it just sits so heavily that the color is so intense and you can just streak it out to look like blood's running out of things really really beautifully um you things like um sores and, and boils um if you want like if we're talking about like color theory side of things is to like base layer red highlight pink highlight yellow um to, to really get that color to pop and, and make it really really gross but noble's quite a forgiving army to paint in that respect and that you cannot you don't have to be the neatest painter in the world to make it look spot on um, and figuring out what effects you want to throw in there is half the fun. It's a bit like just playing with paint as opposed to um, paint painting. And that's probably one of the things I enjoy the most about Nurgle is that it, it is very forgiving and it's great for a new player because you can slop on colors, you can play with it and, um, and it doesn't look off, but because again, you can just put blood effects or you can use um, pus and, you know, you get these little green, you know, this green, equivalent of um 
I think there's a whole bunch of different like types of things like that. You can play around with a bit of resin or a bit of goop and, you know, make some disgusting looking things. And you've got the rust effects as well, which look awesome on, on the weapons and corrosion. And, you know, it does allow you to play with certain things. Well, if I did that on my Stormcast and my daughters, I don't play with rust. I don't play with corrosion. You know, yeah, I play with blood, but I don't play with any other effects. And I think it yeah. gives you a palette of, of cool things you can do. Um, but and and those effects are a really good way to get your color out on models so things like using turquoises in in your rusts can make like a model just really pop or like a really or like an orange in your rusts make a model really pop so um yeah just just play with it just have heaps of fun with it tom this has been awesome um any shout outs anything that you i, I want to get you your uh, either your x twitter slash x or if you've got an instagram uh, i would highly recommend checking out again tom not only is a great player but an incredible painter an award winner um any shout outs and where can people find you if they want to talk nurgle um yeah plenty of shout outs um i'll keep it quick i promise um so the dice arcade crew i'm um, in sydney just the just one of the most wonderful positive friendly gaming groups i've ever come across in my life and i hope that's something that we need to keep doing for a very very long time um i'd like to shout out my um my regular playing opponents um you know that we've got the gribbly gang um happening and and there's some some cool swag and stuff and not just for for their stuff but they got there's a couple of other groups that are um there um and um and yeah i like just aos is just like the whole community has just been really really wonderful um so just Keep doing what you're doing, people. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, my tw Twitter is I think just or X is just Thomas Oliver. Um, I, I've got a, like the at is really long and I can't remember what it is, but if you just look Thomas Oliver, um, I'll add the, it. I'll, the, I'll add yeah. the details in the description yeah, to make sweet. your life easy. Um, yeah, and my my Instagram is at Tomo Paints. I highly recommend going checking it out, and um, it's it's really cool. Tom, it's incredible. Thank you so much. Make sure to submit your list for Sydney GT in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, I look forward to seeing you as a player finally. Um, 12 months ago, you were just a, a humble little observer. You've taken the world on st uh, for Storm. Uh, it's so late now. I'm, I'm losing yeah, I'm my words. No, 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 not at all. I'm just so out of touch. No, man. Look, look, it was an absolutely great discussion. Um, just to clarify, we didn't talk about certain units, and that's fine. We, it's not like every unit is bad. We're not saying it's bad. It's that right now in the competitive landscape, these are the tools that Tom is finding. But if you are finding something else, maybe you are finding some successes with your Magath Lords, or maybe you think that Tom's uh, thoughts on the Guo is too expensive and you're a big fan of the um roddy guest with the bell and you know you're certain some list tech that maybe uh we're not thinking about let us know in the comment section and you know i have the most incredible active discord over 8,000 age of sigma players subsection for nurgle players come talk list tech and design uh we all learn together and that's how we find new things and we challenge our thoughts and tom as always, you're incredible. Thank you so much. And um, you can hear I'm sick too. Apologies if I sound really nasally and sick. I've been sick all week, but uh, this is filling me hyped up. And um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tom. And I hope you enjoyed this discussion. We'll have plenty more uh, over the coming weeks. See you, everybody. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. 
The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spellcast.